come hither stare Strips my conscience bare its witchcraft And I've got no defense for it Heat is too intense for it What good would come on sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Solaris Blue Raven. Solaris is a published author, public speaker, remote viewer, clairvoyant, mystical scientist, investigator, and system buster for MK Ultra related projects and covert technology. She has an expertise in martial arts, surveillance, and is president and CEO of Raven Star Films and Night Shadow Anomaly Detectives. She's also the host of Raven Star's Witching Hour, which airs 12 midnight every Saturday on Revolution Radio. She's also the host of Hyperspace on KCOR Digital Radio every Friday at midnight. Both are great shows. You should check them out. Solaris, welcome to the show. Welcome, Solaris. Oh, thank you. It's it's wonderful to be here. It's Halloween month. It's Samhain month. Right. Happy (laughs) Witches New Year coming up right around the corner. It's our witchy, witchy month. Exactly. Looking forward to it. Yeah, this is great. And uh, there are a lot of people looking forward to this particular uh, show that I know personally because besides me being in in the yeah in the in the witchy circles mm. so Very this nice. is great why don't you um give us a little idea of what was the world like for you when you were very young your earliest memories the things that, that bubble to the surface that you recall um that are sparkly that um, remain vivid for you now and that possibly even tie into things that could trigger you? Well, that's a good question. And uh, it's really interesting because insofar as real, real childhood memories go, I don't really have deep memories. What I do have is is my own, um, kind of like my after image of where I've been insofar as my childhood, which was based on me being very sensitive to energy. Uh, I've always had a sensitivity to to the spirit world, to energy, to, to reading energy and seeing energy even as a young, young woman, a young child. I also was always attracted to the occult and, and the craft, which is very interesting that we talk about Halloween and Samhain. Um, every Halloween, I wanted to be a witch, and I think that was not a coincidence that I grew up to be into the craft as I did. Um, in my environment, going back into the illusion of space and time when I was a child, it was a very esoteric household. Uh, my mother was very into reading tea leaves and tarot cards and mystery school um, in her own way. She's very psychic, and my grandmother was an Eastern star. So I came from that benchmark of mystery school and, and metaphysics. And also uh, a lot of reading, reading all the time. I always had a book and I was always reading. I started reading when I was like four years old. So that, that is the biggest memory of me insofar as where I've been and what I was always up to. And it seems like I always had a book in my hand and I was always reading to people. And I wasn't reading children's books, but literally adult books. So that was, that was me <laughs> in the illusion of. I, your mother sounds wonderful. I love the tea leaves. I've got oh, the whole thanks. Eastern star thing too. Very nice. Fellows and all that. Um, it's always nice to, were you in the Midwest? Um, actually, we were in the actually upstate New York, and so it was upstate. Okay, yeah, it's funny out west. I don't think of a lot of people with. Um, it's so common in the east and the mid Midwest with odd fellows and masons and all that. It's like it it, it seemed common at least in my life. And right. then as I moved west, I realized it was not as common, and therefore more mysterious to some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mother was from Texas, so she was in she was from Dallas, and her parents were from Texas. And they were very much into into the Masons things and stars. So, yeah. yeah, 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 very true. It's, there's some good stuff in there. What um, 
So upstate New York, that means to me in my head that you must have had a pretty hearty relationship with nature. Um, very much so. I've always been in tune to animals and, and butterflies and nature. Yeah, very much so. Very switched on when it comes down to just um, being around the elements, I guess. I've always wanted to be, um, I guess I guess to me, that was the real world, you know, um, tuning into the animals and the energies. That was the norm for me versus what people have created in their environments. So, yeah. Did you... Um... Did you have so in in the nature in nature in your childhood? Did you encounter? Were you having uh, magical experiences? Let me wrap it in that magical experiences within the context of being in nature. Oh gosh, that's a, these are really good questions, and I, I honestly can't really tell you yes or no because it just seemed like I was always around um, outside, you know, doing things, riding my bike, or literally um, being around, like I said, butterflies or birds or things, you know, so I, I don't really remember anything really quote unquote mystical per se, but to me, it was mystical just being there and experiencing the energy. So I guess that's really what, what it boils down to is, is the empathy associated between me and nature and how that felt to me as an energetic and, and the purity of it, um, the, the, the silence of it. So that, I guess, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what it meant to me. Excellent. Did you also, young, was, were there things that you enjoyed in pop culture? Like I loved the early, I mean, I got, I think I got, Robert Phoenix says I got the goth programming, but I loved the first run of Adam's Family and all that Land of the Lost. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, all that um, stuff. For sure. Yeah, we, I think we all were influenced by Bewitched and yes. yeah, the Adam's <laughs> Family. And uh, yeah, I was into goth too before it was this real popular thing. Before, before I, it, it was goth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I used to have my hair really long and black and I wore yeah. the pale makeup, you know, and that was way before all that stuff started. So, yeah. We're first wave. <laughs> <It's really. laughs> oh, okay. So this is just, this is so stupid and kind of not Knox Mente, but I have, it's a trivia thing. So with Bewitched, who's your favorite character? Oh gosh. Um, what was it? Let me think here. You, Paul you may Lynn. name two. Who's I'm Paul Lynn? Oh, that, I can't even think of his, his act. Uncle Arthur. Uncle Arthur. Yes. Yes. I loved him. Oh, I thought he was great. Doing? Paul Lind is amazing. He's St. Paul Lind. Yeah. I liked uh, Aunt, uh, whatever. Aunt Clara. Aunt Clara. Oh, she was yeah. such a. I'm turning into Aunt Clara. <laughs> well, that could be an erasure taking place. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like that these days. Like, oh, my God. But she I always like had a soft show. spot in my heart for, for Sabrina. Oh, everyone yeah. did, of course. I mean, she was, especially if you were light-haired, it was, you know. Um, okay, so that aside, that's fun, though. I, I love mm. Bewitched so much. Um, at this period early in your life, uh, are you able to still recall any dreams that may have stuck out? Oh, gosh, no. No, I haven't. Um, we've had anomalies in our house, though. We had a house that, I wouldn't say it was haunted, but there were definitely spirits around, so... Um, that's the only thing I can tell you. And I, I don't really have recall of dreams. Um, sad to say as a child, I really don't. Did you, okay. So in this house that was possibly haunted, and of course we know the East coast, I mean, everything's so old there, mm -hmm. um, as far as like Western civilization. So do you have any good memories of oddness, high strangeness going on? Well, other than the fact that that my mother seemed to notice samurai spirits wandering in the halls. And this was after she acquired a, a very large uh, vase that was from the Ming dynasty. Oh and supposedly it had a, a heritage behind it, which created some kind of an anomaly. So that um, I remember her saying, and, and for me, we had things kind of moving around the house here and there, not, not like poltergeist, but 
uh, objects would be in one place and also they wouldn't be in the right place or um, something falls off, you know, things that were synchronistic in, in so far as the way people were communicating. Um, if my mother would say something, sometimes something would happen where the something would fall off the wall, you know, like a painting would fall or something, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That kind of yeah. stuff. So, and my sisters have had her own imagery. She was pulled out of bed. She said something, grabbed her legs one time and pulled her out of bed. I, and it was a spirit. Now I don't know for sure, but that's, that's, that's what she told me. Yeah. So, and... A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff like that. Um, I, I don't really recall being under attack on a psychic level, just that there was a lot of activity in the house, energetically speaking. I, I love New England for the houses. I've always dreamt of having one of those really early, you know, 1600, 17th century farmhouses. I just think they're quintessential witchy in my head. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. always wanted to buy that house. And it's in, uh, I forget where Massachusetts it is, but it was built by the, um, I forget which, which family built it. One of the old family, like Carnegie, but it wasn't them. It was sort of the P. I'll find it in a second. Anyway, super was ass. Was it in the Victorian period? Victorian period? Totally. It's painted with like yellow okay. and burgundy. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, for me, the East Coast means I want to go back earlier. I want a couple hundred years earlier. But I, I'm always sitting in Victorian houses. Mm -hmm. um, so did you have any of the, I mean, I, I hate to say this, typical stuff in childhood with like maybe a fear of the dark or was tuning into stuff that could be lingering around and the way sometimes that played out for kids and does play out for kids is in fears of like under the bed and all that mm -hmm. um, um yeah as far as i can tell as far as i i have recall i wasn't i was very very fearless and kind of spoiled in a nice way i was the youngest so, <laughs> you know, that goes, um, but oh, yeah. literally yeah. didn't have any phobias per se. I mean, I had siblings who used to like to play and, you know, we do all, I don't know if you remember the game Lava. Yes. But, um, <laughs> where you literally can't touch the floor. <laughs> I mean, that, we survived all this, right? But literally, you, you literally can't touch the floor and you have to climb on furniture and that sort of thing. I mean, that was kind of me. <laughs> and uh, that was us. And we were, we were kids and we played and we ran and we, you know, rode our bikes and stuff like that. So I don't have any phobias per se. No, I, I can't think of. Oh, that's great. And so as a young kid too, were you sent, cause you're, you are now, were you, um, honed into your abilities to, to parse out the ether around you as far as, um, other dimensions, other states of consciousness, all that kind of stuff as a young person? As a young person, I was more in tune to the spirit world and I really, uh, I wasn't afraid of it. It seemed very friendly and very fey to me. And very magical, but I can tell you, as I grew older, I had to learn to control what I had because I realized I could start reading people and I could start seeing energy around people, and I had to calibrate and start learning what it was and how to identify it and not take on too much. And that was a progression as I went from, you know, from being a young girl to a teenager to an adult. You probably went through cycles like that, or anybody's into the craft or mysticism, but yeah, that's that's pretty much, you know, how that went. You said you were the youngest. How many were you? Well, there are six of us. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like the Von Trapp family, I always say. It's awesome, though. Nice number. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It was like a tribe. Valderie, Valdera. <laughs> was there like, any sense of Christianity around you at all, like Catholicism or? Oh, yeah, we were we were involved in My mother was, um, she was connected to, obviously, spirit and, and mystical teachings, but she also was connected to the Baptist church, and she was very... Um, you know, she, she made sure we went to Sunday school at some point, but we really didn't push, religion was not pushed in the house because we were very metaphysical. So 
Um, we had a benchmark in a lot of different types of religions. And later on, we even studied Catholicism and, and some other areas too. So it wasn't foreign to us at all. It was just that we, we were a very mystical family. Yeah. Well, mysticism's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I think some people don't want to see. Right. And we weren't afraid of it too. I think some people get scared um, and, they, and they stay with the religious bubble but they don't want to venture out. Like when, if to us, the norm is having spirits or is an anomaly or is something like that. That's not unusual for, for me or beings like me. Uh, for some people it is, you know, they, they wig out. So this is something to look at. Definitely. Did, um, oh man, <laughs> that just wiped me. Oh, what did you do, Solaris? I didn't do anything. It's him. It's Put your wand away. Your wand in the background. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> no wands, I promise you. Not right now. It wasn't me. I was just um, think, I was thinking, damn, I want spirits to talk to me. Careful. <laughs> Seriously. Careful, careful. So uh, also, what are what's your basic astro info? Astrology, my yeah. sign. Um, I'm an Aries double Pisces. Oh wow, double Pisces. We've yeah. had last week we had a triple Pisces. Jenny mm-hmm. and Jerry's got all this too. Wow. Very double Pisces. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of sensitivity. But I think it's like Aries though. That's the warrior spirit. So yeah, that helps. I love that. But that's also some high contrast at fire and water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Right there. And then, okay, so also in your, in this early period, um, I know you don't remember dreams from that period at all. And so I want to move forward a little bit, but not into adult life yet. Like say up into, up through like high school and all that, where where was your dreaming since in this period, like before, before you were 20? And within that, were you, what was the dream landscape like for you? As far well, you're as really like, good. You know, I, I'm just going to say point blank. You were really good with unique questions. I've never been asked this before. And I usually try to stay private when it comes down to my, you know, my, my background and my childhood, et cetera, but this is fine. And what I will say about what you're asking me is it's interesting oh, that you're saying okay. this because I used to do a lot of automatic writing. Now, what you're talking about is when I started doing a lot of automatic writing, I would write music, I played the flute, and I also wrote, um, did automatic writing, which was literally poetry. But it was interesting because I would access almost like different dimensional timelines, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I would start writing all these really cool poems that rhymed and um, just streaming energy and and, and literally going through those cycles of doing that. I also had a, a typewriter that I used to use, and I would do that as well. So yeah, that's when I started doing more of the creative stuff and channeling the energies and the information and also doing it through my music. I really super appreciate the way your perspective on automatic writing is. I I do the same and it funnels out just as you said, it's poetic. It's not like, it's really, it's not scribbles. It's actually legible, but it's more right-brained. That's, that really pinged me. That's great. So in the transition from being young Solaris to where you are now, when did you get deeply involved? When did you just full on put on the cla- the, the cloak, your witch hat and your uh, cape? I think it was, gosh, it seems like I, I don't remember what exact year, it would probably be in the 90s. I started getting into more Ascension work and, and mystery school teachings. And then I started connecting with different types of covens. So I really started to put on the cloak and start doing circle work probably in the 90s and then fine tuning it, um, you know, t- towards 2000 and working with covens and affiliation with other areas and other other practitioners. So, yeah. And then I started coming out um, more so just because I saw so much of a bastardization of the craft and a misrepresentation of so many, so many wonderful beings out there who are into the craft. And it really kind of bugged me. So I started 
kind of putting myself out there a little bit more. Yeah, it's interesting with just that, with that Aries, like that, that sounds very Aries to me, but then you mm-hmm. have all that tender Pisces, also psychic right? Um, energy. So it's, you do come off very warrior-like in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes it juicy and complex is that Pisces energy. I must confess, I like this oh, yeah. combination. Well, thank you. And it's funny because I had to be the more Aries. I had to be more of a warrior after I was inducted into that program. And of course, that's down the down the road. But I had to fortify and become a lot harder than I wanted to be. Yeah. It, oh, and isn't that a lesson? Our mm-hmm. lessons. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. I think that that's a good a good little that's a good grounding stone for who you are to move forward. Um, and thank you for being candid, you know, of You're course, welcome. as always, you don't have to answer anything. Oh, that's fine. Um, so let's move into like kind of around, I guess, let's move into you in your 20s and me. 27 to 30. And, and of course, um, you don't have to share dreams, but we can just talk about the philosophy of them. Were you having any experience at this point with lucidity as far as high lucidity, like um, uh, OBEs? How are you on a term? Oh, yeah. In my 20s and 30s, is that the timeline you were asking? Yeah. My cat jumped up. My cat must like you. My cat Salem jumped up on my lap. Ooh, hello, uh, Salem. <laughs> likes me. Cats like me. <laughs> oh, it's you too. It's both of you. Um, yeah, back, back then I was doing a lot of, well, writing and still also accessing aspects of myself, which I wasn't really fully recognizing insofar as what it was capable of doing. But back then I did have out-of-body experiences. I had astral projection experiences and I had some things that were what I would consider more than dreams. Um, these were events where I was in a place on a different timeline with a different type of being or species, as you could call it. I don't know how deep we can go, but um, but literally, it was uh, an event Honestly. of some kind, which was more than a dream. Let's put it that way. And I do remember the astral projection, and I used to love it because it would feel so good to be out of my body and come back. I would feel very re, re um, kind of like regenerated and refreshed. So I really enjoyed that. Can, do you mind sharing a little bit about this um, this spe- this other species that you encountered? And yeah, you it's can interesting. Go as deep as you'd like on any question, by the way. Okay. And this was, um, you know, I think I might have mentioned this in Misha Johnston's group. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but, you know, we, we, we talk about certain things. And I've been trying to piece back my life after my induction. And, and part of it is looking back to see if there was anything unusual happening back in the when I was in my 20s and 30s. And this particular event was very interesting because it was about astral projection and me leaving my body and going to another dimension of which there were um, what I would consider to be very large robotic beings which were very bright and electric blue. They almost reminded me of something out of Battlestar Galactica. They were that big kind of thing. And they were telepathic. Now, this was interesting because uh, I saw two, um, I can go into the specifics because I remember it very clearly and I wrote it down because it bothered me so much. But I I saw two body bags that were really um, sparkly blue, um, really nice. And there were were beings in the bags, people, two of them. And they were being covered up and their mouths were uh, being covered up in their noses. And I said, if you cover them up, they're not going to be able to breathe. For some reason, I was under the impression they weren't dead. And then there was another body bag, and he looked over at me, and I, it was a male robot, even though it was a robot thing. And he said, you're next. And at that point, I took off, and I went into some kind of a wall, and I expanded and went back into my body. And I remember the pain that I felt as I got back into the dimension because it was really hellacious. And at that point, the lights were on. They, they kind of flickered on in my house. 
And it, it was a very strange event because it's, it really startled me. Um, I was very aware that I went someplace and there were some beings there. Now, I wrote it down as like, okay, that was an astral projection. That was an astral experience. And it was a very interesting experience. And then I let it go and I forgot about it. And it wasn't because um, the only reason I didn't forget about it was because I wrote it down. But that's something that I wanted to mention because I don't know if it correlates to the induction, but I certainly wonder um, what's going on, you know, because the synthetic telepathy, it wasn't synthetic. It was telepathic then, but the machines were there. And I have never seen machines like that before. So could could you tell us about them? I'm interested in the robots, how they looked or it looked, um, and the the machines situation. Well, the robots themselves, which I call the machines, they were they were very tall, um, bigger than I don't know. I want to say eight feet tall plus. I mean, they were huge, and they were uh, very shiny metal, almost like a knight. I mean, they were really that kind of shiny metal, but it was a blue, a very very powerful electric blue both of them. And then the mesh, um, the body bags were the same kind of sparkly blue. The whole room was metal. I remember that there was a room made of silver around me. Um, the floor was silver. The, the walls were, it seemed like they were silver and, and whatever else. Um, it just seemed like silver and blue were the, were the primary colors that I remember. But that's all I remember about them. Um, and they were telepathic. They didn't have a mouth. So, and when you say they were, I'm what I'm picturing is kind of like blue, like the Tin Man from Oz. In a weird way, I don't know why. And so, were they humanoid like that? Uh, no, no humanoid at all. They were more like cyborgs, uh, not cyborgs. Cylons? Is it from Battlestar Galactica? I don't know if you remember. This oh, was before yeah. Battlestar. Yeah, Cylons are the robots. Yeah. yeah, it was more like that. It was more like that that kind of metallic look, that that streamlined metal body. Um, it didn't have any humanoid look to it at all. Were they organic? Okay. Were they organic beings? Um, they seemed completely machine. I mean, completely. Um, Although they had legs and they had arms, like knights, but they were not, there wasn't a body, there wasn't a person in there. This was a machine. Cool. Wow, I love this. This is really great. Um, you guys are hearing it first, by the way, because I have not talked about this. Besides Misha's group, I haven't discussed this, so. That's okay. Um, we don't have any listeners. Okay. Yeah, we, you'll get like thousands downloaded. <laughs> this is, but this is, this is deeply fascinating. I love it. I love that it's, um, that you were so far out that it was another dimension and because this is this is what i'm all the stuff i'm looking for is like trying to parse out where the line is here between dimensions and where consciousness is and all this right. um okay so i want to i want to talk about this a little bit so the blue and silver too deeply fascinating so i've got sparkly blue and silver was the silver also sparkly um, the silver, the sparkly silver part was, the silver blue was on the body bags that I saw, the two body bags on the tables. Yeah. Um, and so far as the, the machines or the beings themselves, no, they were just, it was like a solid um, color. It wasn't any sparkle to them. And it's funny when I was writing down the body bags in my mind's eye, I was, before you said it, because I was going to ask, it, were they alive? And you had a sense they were. I, I I thought they were, but um, you know I I can't tell you I, I I really can't tell you I thought they were because of my question you know I was thinking that they were he was covering them up and they couldn't breathe that's my whole thing about oxygen and I don't know but I was next apparently so I was number three I don't know who the other two were oh that feels ominous did it feel when they when when it came to your attention that you were next was that was it alarming yes I felt was very threatened. And yeah. I felt like I had to get out of there very quickly. Yeah. And I did. And I took my, my astral body and I got out and I went through some kind of a wall and I opened it up and I went back. I guess you could call it a portal at the time because back then you just don't know. I mean, you're traveling, but I went back into my own body and I 
that's when I sat up in bed and I turned all the lights on too. There were lights going on. And, and I have to tell you, and I don't want to backtrack too much, but I do remember some of the, the cues for when people are astral projecting. I don't know if people are aware of this or not, but when you're astral traveling, sometimes when you're um, awake and lucid in the experience, you'll look around your own house and all of a sudden you'll realize that you're awake, but it's not that you're dead, but you can go through walls and you can go through doors. And things seem to be, they seem to be different. Like I remember the microwave was flashing. And then I remember I saw children outside playing at like two in the morning. And I thought, well, that's not normal. Then I realized, oh, I'm astral traveling. Okay. So that kind yeah. of a thing, just a heads yeah. up. Yeah, those those things are interesting. I think for me, a lot of it's giving myself permission to like at first when I was encountering walls, mm-hmm. I I was still like the very this is early on, but it just seems like I was I would go through a door, you know, like it was I was observing the physics of here mm-hmm. instead of the physics of of there, which are totally right. different. And yeah. it's, so, it's so mental. Um Right, you're changing your vibrational frequency and in turn changing your molecular structure to be able to phase into another doorway. In my opinion, that's the way it works. Uh, We're changing our vibration to basically accommodate another dimensional frequency. And naturally, when we start ascending through our consciousness in intent, we we alter that through our biomolecular structure, which I think is fascinating. I mean, this took me years to figure out, by the way. I wasn't I didn't know this in the 80s and 90s, you know. I was I was learning it as I progressed, but it's very interesting. Well, this is this is why we like to talk about these progressions like through people's lives to where they they got to most people we have on here are pretty adept. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and so you mentioned something provocative here, and I want to talk about that while we're still in this particular zone, which was the you said this tied into your abduction a little bit. And could you tell us how the abduction in, or the induction in 2004? The reason I, I saw a correlation was because of the, t- the telepathy in general and the fact that it seems to me like something. I was being calibrated for something perhaps in the past that I didn't understand until 2004. Um, the natural, my abilities are naturally telepathic to begin with, but when I was interfaced with the te- technology, it came very easy for me. It wasn't something hard for me to do. It was like I had been calibrated or, or something along the lines where I've been um, prepared for this. And that's why I look back at it now and I shadow what has happened to me in the past and wonder about the circumstances that happened in, in 2004. And I'm not actually familiar with that, but I'm sure you've talked about that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I would like to find out more about that elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But could you give us a little, a little tease here? And also, I recommend people go and find out for themselves as well right. on your channel. Yeah. Um, I'll, well, I have a DVD documentary that will explain the whole uh, ordeal that I went through. But in 2004, I was pulled into a covert warfare program which involves synthetic telepathy and a triangulation of me inside of my residence in Colorado, which literally interfaced me with artificial intelligence and synthetic telepathy live feed real time with a handler. And this handler identified himself and I actually had to testify against him in 2006 with his, and his clients were high profile who were involved in the induction itself. And uh, they are linked to the band, uh, high profile band. I don't know if you want me to mention them here and there. Everybody pretty much knows who's been involved in researching who I am, but it's Rush. Um, Yes, Rush and Neil Peart specifically working with Michael J. Mossbach. So these were the people that had access to the technology. Let me explain. I'm not going to go into deep waters with this right now, but I just want you to understand why people would do this. Well, first of all, it's the technology is very, very good. Um, synthetic telepathy is awesome when you're using it with SciSpy, when you're able to interface with somebody live feed real time and it's encrypted and nobody else can hear what you guys are saying. It's two people on a communication system and nobody else can access it, not even government unless they have an encryption code. This is what I'm talking about by a very good technology for surveillance and also for high profile people who want to be, um, you know, whatever, driving around or doing whatever they need to do without anybody bothering them. So synthetic telepathy works. And if anybody's paying attention to anything on the timelines right now, we have 
the military is in a big, big, big race right now for artificial intelligence, aesthetic telepathy, and also deploying it onto their personnel for warfare. So it is, it's full speed ahead. So that's kind of like a, just a little bit of a, an eclipse of what's where I've been. And all that's in your movie, right? It is. The documentaries in there, um, the information with the band, and also the implant analysis scan, which was done by Steve Colburn. Okay, cool. I can't wait. <laughs> and I can send you guys a copy if you want. I would love that, Solaris. Sure, sure. Very much appreciate it. So, just download it. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask. Uh, you implied that it's still going on and it's on steroids now. And so far as the technology itself, the signals are not as strong, but the past four to five years since Kurt retired, they've ramped up a, a signal to kind of create some damage, in my opinion, or to do an erasure or to try and kind of uh, damage what they did so that they cannot get in trouble. That's just my own perception of what they've been doing. I feel like they're trying to um, do sanitization. It's still there, but the sanitization process is going on. And I, I get that because I believe that there are other agencies involved right now and they're not very nice. I just totally forgot my question. <laughs> I'm not That's... doing anything, I promise. No, no, no. I was, <laughs> I was actually Salem. I was Salem. thinking about what you were saying and I just... My mm. kitty mind melt. Oh, I remember. Um, do the frequencies they use, and I know you are, you, you know all this shit. Are the frequencies, do they cross, is there any uh, crossover into the 5G range? As far as I can tell, I think they're able to calibrate the transmission to 5G. I think it's way beyond 5G, in my opinion. I think that the ex exotic technologies they used on me uh, was way beyond all the 5G stuff. But what I am concerned about is that the 5G will definitely amplify any signals that are being distributed across the board globally. So if people are getting interfaced, even if they're not being tagged with the communication system live feed real time, they will be influenced through their own um, their own brainwave activity will be influenced by the transmission itself, which could be very damaging in my opinion. Right, and the 5G can totally envelope that signal, I'm sure, and, and pass right. it on through a repeater or whatever. Right, and it's really not healthy. You know, when they're weaponizing the, t the uh, transmission, it becomes very unhealthy. And I think that's the whole idea behind it is that we have such beautiful technology to do wonderful things. And these guys want to weaponize and militarize everything to a point where we can't be very productive with this sort of thing. And if you're really good at what you do, and I, I know that I have capabilities that are really off the charts, unfortunately, if they can't control you, they will, they will do things like this to contain you and make you very uncomfortable or very unhappy. And it's, it's unfortunate that that rolls that way, but it does. That was my, I'm done. Nish. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I want to get back. Okay. So in your twenties and thirties and, oh, sorry, I've got a big old truck coming by. Um, in your twenties and thirties, and I want to talk a little bit, um, I'd like to get into states of lucidity outside of your body and other dimensional stuff. You just gave us this amazing example. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, you blew me away right there. Um, but how did you experience it? So I think to start with, the first time you realized you were not in your body, do you have a memory of that experience? Yeah, one of the first times when I was not in my body was um, back, back around that timeline in the 80s. And I had, um, it's one of those things where you're, you're up and you're moving around the house and you realize that you can go through the door or that you're, you're literally having a lucid astral experience. And that was one of those things that I actually did. And uh, prior to the other one that uh, about those those types of beings, those machine beings, I had some, I don't know if it was a guide, I can't tell you what it was, but it was with me and it took me across the seas into a place where it looked like some kind of a, I want to say it was um, some kind of a royal place. It was a place where it looked like a very, very big, um, I want to say palace, but it wasn't maybe a manor. And I remember that the place was very interesting with people in it and um, there were 
this is what's really interesting. What room stood out to me when and this is an astral projection. This is when I went on an astral adventure. But I, what I saw was, and this was kind of like being in another timeline or just around at somebody else's location. But the the room had um, the walls were carpeted like with like racing stripes and things, and it was very gamey. And I thought that's very weird. I've never seen anything like that. Um, and I can tell you the colors were like bright yellows and reds and um, it was like being in a kid's room, but it wasn't a kid's room. It was like for adults, you know, it was this very interesting room. So I remember that and going across the water and then coming back. And once again, also coming in um, and it seemed like I was going up a mountain very, very quickly and then down into the water and going through the water very, very rapidly and then out through the stars at the end. And then I woke up and sat up and, and that was a beautiful experience. That was one of my, my favorite experiences, I think, that I've ever had astral projecting. So, but that was a tour. That was something, something took me um, in a sense that guided me to that location because I have no idea where that was. I don't know why I was there, um, but it brought me there and it wanted me to be there to see this. So that's what happened with that. Do you think that this was, was the- do you think, I'm sorry, do you think that was some aspect of yourself, your consciousness? It seemed like a male. Um, so I can't tell you, it was on my right. I mean, it could have been the angel. It could be a lot of things. I, I don't know offhand. I would, it could be an aspect of myself because we do have those aspects that do guard us. Mm-hmm. And what I call the higher self over soul superconscious, where we have um, the soul star that oversees who you are and what you're doing here on the timelines. So I'd say that's highly possible. Yeah, I don't discount that at all. And I do know back in the day, I was too young, really. I think I did need something or someone or being of some kind to watch over me because I was way too young, in my opinion. You know, when you're, I don't know about you all, but I've grown so much since then. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did in, So this place where you went, where you were taken, have you returned there? I've never gone back. No. It sounds nice. Um, yeah, I, I want to say it's towards the UK or British Columbia, but I don't know for sure. I can't say that for sure. It just felt like it was. Did, and also, the, um, was that the last time you saw that being entity? The fir- was that the first and last time you encountered that? Um, the uh, being? I, the yeah. being was interesting because it did... Um, it did tell me, it said we were here. It said, don't worry, we're here. And that was through natural telepathy, by the way, not synthetic. And I don't recall ever ever having that being come back, other than the fact that I had an experience before 9-11, and I, we can talk about that later, but um, but yeah. What's it, okay, and I, I we should parse this out right now. The difference between natural telepathy and synthetic. The natural telepathy is when you're literally in a state of consciousness where your, um, your natural circuitry is wired and, and pretty much activated to a point where you're you're hearing and listening and in communication with a um, being of any kind, whatever species it is, but it's a natural ebb and flow of communication. In other words, you'll get a you'll get a ping of communication, but it won't be an inundation of technology. Um, the difference is that the synthetic telepathy is usually opened up through a signal interface, live feed real time with an agent, like what happened to me in 2004. And once they open it up, it's a natural um, synthetic dialogue. It's natural in the sense that there are two live people there, but it's synthetic communication, live feed real time, where it's just a, a nonstop communication and dialogue and it's very pushy and very invasive um opposed to just having a lucid lucid communication with natural telepathy and i and natural telepathy is so peaceful uh, this stuff is is really intense the synthetics and you can prove the synthetic telepathy because you can get the signals measured isn't a lot of natural telepathy though uh, symbolic um emotional feeling out kind of stuff you know versus someone speaking to you on your left shoulder kind of sound right 
I think that in altered states of consciousness, you can get an aspect of yourself that's communicating to you. I, I think that is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there are species out there, in my opinion, that are capable of communicating telepathy, telepathy-wise or telepathically to a point where they'll literally communicate with you on and off. And you'll receive information that comes out of nowhere that is not even connected to channeling or part of you that you know is an alien intelligence or something different. And that I have had in the past, and I do know the difference. So I think that, that it goes through many formulas. I think we are amazing beings with multidimensional minds and brains, and, and we're so capable of so much. And I do believe that we are radio waves, so we're transmitters and receivers, mm-hmm. and we communicate. And you know, depending on where your antenna is pointed, you can communicate to all kinds of things if you're really switched on. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you can. <laughs> Probably things you don't want to talk to either. No, I've, right? al- I've always felt that the internet is sort of a training wheels crutch for human telepathy. It's like uh, oh, I agree. getting yeah, us ready for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's calibrating people for the virtual field. And the virtual field, if I can explain it a little bit, is, is a dimensional space, which is literally created by the virtual um, agenda. I mean, in other words, it's virtual technology, it's artificial intelligence, man's version. But it's a field of energy, which is a fake dimension that literally is designed for people to engage in communication and um, exchange information. I do believe that the next wave of technology is going to be synthetic telepathy interface with your friends. And if you want it, I really believe they're trying to deploy that. So, so it's like second, it's like third life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> second life for real. So <laughs> you know. these, uh, so they're putting up basically a new reality field in which you can inhabit. Right, it's the virtual field. It's literally the field that I was pulled into, which is literally artificial mm-hmm. intelligence interface, life feed real time with handlers, controllers, operators, and programmers. And a lot of this is weaponized. A lot of it connects to the Pentagon and the DARPA and DOD, and and also a lot of specific black sciences and different agencies you know i don't have to go you guys know this yeah but, no yeah. i was just gonna say that's a perfect space to carry out really nasty shit you you bet and, and unfortunately they weaponize and and you know see the beauty of it is um you know she'll she'll ask me questions and i don't have a problem communicating you know where i've been my childhood whatever but with the communication system with synthetic telepathy it will interrogate you if they want to create an interrogation program they can really really harass you and they can insert data or they can remove data and it can be very malicious and very vicious and associated with a, a worse, um, I mean, it's just like mind control, worse than any MK Ultra I could think of. So it's not good when it's weaponized. That's why I've addressed it. What is good when it's weaponized? Nothing. Well, there you go. <laughs> you answered it. Yep. But this can be, this can weaponize. Uh, so it could say, uh, this can affect anyone. So is it mm-hmm. kind of like a virus that could affect, say, your mom, and all of a sudden you're having these interactions with, your mom, but it's it's actually right. this technology. Yeah, that's what they did in 2004, where they mimicked her voice pattern and interfaced it onto me, and I knew it wasn't her, and I called it too. Um, one of the things they are capable of doing, just like when they map your electromagnetic field remotely and triangulate you as a target, they can literally do the same thing to somebody who's dying. They can take that data stream of information or consciousness or conscious intent or whatever part of their body and, and literally map it and interface it back onto somebody else. So they can play the middleman between you and your ancestors, you know, versus just you and your ancestors, there'll be somebody else being the, the person in between. And that's some of the stuff that they do, which filter. is what I call the weaponization of the supernatural and the paranormal. And I have warned people into um, who are into mysticism or the craft that this is something they have to look at because it is a capability. You brought up an interesting point that I wanted to ask you a question about, so I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked, I don't remember where I heard you talking about it, but you were talking about how they could... So, for instance, you're you're a martial artist, and you are really good at something, whatever karate chops. That you you I thought you said that they could download that that muscle memory or that pro and program make it into a program that they could put they can, in other people. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, they can map your, it's kind of like the matrix. They can literally map your, uh, when I say they map your electromagnetic field and your neural circuitry and your brainwave function, they literally do all of that. But they can also map everything um, technologically. So your motor skills, every capability that you have to a point where they can create a template on it. So what they're doing is actually mapping you in real time. So say I'm working out and I'm training and I'm not suspecting anything is interfacing with me. They literally map everything, take the data stream of information, interface it back to their artificial intelligence program and create their own template. With that template, they can actually distribute that to other people to train them as a hive. Um, this is how they're going to train their super soldier programs insofar as their personnel for military as well. Going it's the same to... technique, same technology. Yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a hijacking, what it is. It's a hijacking too, but I mean, imagine if that was in the public domain, that technology where you could learn anything basically. That's right. Well, what do you think it's worth? That's my question to both of you. And let me tell you something that's worth a it's, lot. And that's why priceless. Apple Computer, it's that's priceless. why Microsoft and Google are really interested. And so is our every every military. There's a big race for AI, but they're not describing what AI is. AI is exactly what I'm telling you. It is it's exactly what I've been through. Right. That program. Yeah. Part of that's it. what I'm hearing. Mm. Yeah. Is there is there any connection to this that like could tenitis Am I saying that right? Ringing ringing in the ear, could this be connected to some of that? I heard there was some statistic where that's actually increasing now. It is. Um, I agree. And I've actually had tinnitus for the past six months and I never get tinnitus. And that's (laughs) part of the ringing. Yep, They're ramping up signals, they're ramping up transmissions. And if you're very switched on and your antenna is very charged naturally, which is a psychic or even somebody who's done the spiritual work through consciousness, Mm -hmm. you're going to pick up on those transmissions and frequencies. And yes, they are. They're there. Absolutely. Oh, they. Is there, okay, so, and sticking with this for a second, is there, are there ways we can protect ourselves, Solaris? Some of the ways uh, that I've seen is, is, I know some people talk about the Faraday cages and good luck. You can try to build yourself a Faraday cage. I, I haven't had much luck with one. Uh, I do know that Shungite is really good insofar as kind of keeping some kind of a shield from you and the transmissions that are incoming. So I would suggest Shungite to some degree. Or We're in some right now. Good. Excellent. <laughs> Um, also, was it Orgone? Orgone's another good one that supposedly distributes yes. and dispels yes. a lot. Now, I, I've had, um, I have some really nice Orgone in my house, and I do notice a difference. I think that some of us who have been plugged into technology become so calibrated that we become, it just becomes an immunity. We can't really do much to shield as much as we could. But for regular Joes who aren't really plugged in and just getting the atmospheric conditions, I think those would help quite a bit. And I would still say maybe a Faraday cage and also making sure you don't have anything with your computers or iPhones in, in your bedroom at night, make sure yeah. you try to keep it as, as switched off and shut down as you can. And also check the parameters in your home and see how close you are to cell phone towers or any other types of devices that I know are just completely saturating the environments. There was an interesting series of videos that uh, Miles Johnston put out last week with, with a guy named Mike Emery on how to build an orgone bubble nice. for, for your house. It's uh, really I'll good. check that out. I will put the links in. I'll, I'll send you the links, but I'll put them in the description. Yeah, the put, and put chat. them in our, our, dis- yeah. our server, Jerry. I will, I will. Because I want to check those out too. And you know, I was going to say radionics too, by the way. I'm sorry, I didn't mention that. Uh, radionics is another way to distribute and actually bounce out incoming signals that could be possibly trying to attach onto your four-body system. How would you do that with radionics? What would you set up as a target? Um, you can actually just set, you know, you can use your own DNA and your own energy field to literally True. broadcast out. And so that's what I would do. I would literally just start um, broadcasting out any frequencies or any transmissions that are incoming and using your own DNA as the, as the signature. That's Pro- just me. Program your aura to bounce the waves off. Right. I mean, we can do that through our state of mind and consciousness. And that's what's so interesting. We do have these capabilities naturally, but what they're doing is cheating in a way because they're trying to use technology to really screw with us. And it, and it wears down the electromagnetic field after a while. It's kind of like, you know, the U.S. 
enterprise. I mean, after a while, your your shields drop. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. it's not. They just keep pounding away, and, and it is a problem. Yeah, we need that kill shot to take out all the electricity. That I'm would, telling you, that would fix yeah. it right for That's a while. Where, and I need my my old cottage where it's all mm -hmm. already was set up in that time period. Where your fortress, yeah. Is there? Okay, so this is something that I've been trying to get at a lot and without saying it to different people, um, but it's on my mind. So infiltration into our dream field, mm -hmm. this kind of, 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 of tech, you know, Correct. Um, how is that playing out? Is there a way to know? Um, so is there a different way to know that possibly your dreams are being affected than say when you're consciously awake and you can tell these pushing thoughts are coming through really aggressive or you're getting right. tinnitus. What about in the dream? In the dream time, usually when they're doing remote brain hacking or interfacing, I would say they'd have to triangulate you in your bed. They would have to use a signal to interface right directly into your head. So somebody's specifically um, plucking you out, so to speak. Uh, with people who are receiving anything technological, it would be very uh, fast, very digitized, may look like a movie that's gone fast forward really, really quick. Uh, something that's too good, almost looks too good, that kind of thing. And also something that literally is like a maelstrom from something that comes out of left field that really doesn't have any value. Um, you have to ask yourself, you know, wh where does this come from? Is it conscious, subconscious? We always analyze what our dreams are, but these are very stream oriented. It's like data stream from a from the television or data stream from Google. Anything you get on the internet literally is like being streaming into your head and you'll know. You'll know because it feels very artificial and it almost feels very toxic, to be honest with you. It doesn't feel very good to the spirit. Okay, and so also, I usually ask this later, but I want to tie it into this because I think it could be getting worked in. Um, when we're having one of those very magical, some of my favorite experiences in flesh, deja vu, is that also possibly being hacked? You know, I've had deja vu in the past also, and I can tell you, I think there's a genuine cellular memory with us as beings, as multidimensional beings through our own states of consciousness where we are very old and ancient. We bring with us a very vast database of information here. And sometimes we have recall of other people we've encountered, other, other, other uh, perhaps an, an incident that happened that, that mirrors itself again. And sometimes that's genuine and organic, and other times it is synthetic. So we have to use discernment. So I, I would say both on those. And once again, I, the biggest way to find out if you're really being influenced is to check for implants and to see if you have an anomalies that are coming in and out of your energetic grid or if you have any implants or signals that are registering. I would, I would really say that's one of the best ways to look and see. Okay, cool. I, I just want to get all that. These are all questions I have. I know anyone listening, especially if they're not familiar with you, are going to be having these questions as well. Mm -hmm. That's great um, questions. Awesome questions. Wonderful. You two were the best interviewers I've ever had interview me. See you. Well, thank you. Yeah. I love you guys. I'm going to have to tune in your show now all the time. I love it. Right. Unique questions are the hallmark of, of our show. We're just, we're interested in, you know, people. And You're so, real. Thank you very yeah. much for being real. We need more realness. <laughs> um, okay, so let's step back a little. And um, all this, though, we're going to, I want to dive back into a little bit later. But I want to get back into... Um, your ideas of, and if you have examples, you've already given us great examples, but the layers of, I'm just saying the layers to avoid terminology, but layers of lucidity within dream time. So from basic dreaming, where you're just shuffling the daily stuff to all the way out of body, out of dimension stuff. What, how do you experience them? Okay. In the old days, I would say that what I would always do, and then I'm just going through a procedure of what I used to do was 
um, meditate literally or set the intent before I went to sleep. If I wanted to journey somewhere, astral project, I would literally set the intent to do something like that, to have an out-of-body experience or, or try to project my energy at the right frequency so that I'm able to do these things. Um, that's one way to do it as far as navigating through the layers. Um, the first thing also I should probably say before that is to, is to do a, maybe a clearing of entities to kind of let go of any attachments or anything disembodied that's trying to attach onto you to create a distortion. Uh, in my opinion, I think meditation and clearing of entities is a good way to start for um, a 101 as far as peeling away layers so that you're able to navigate. And once you start going to sleep, you'll start feeling that kind of alpha state. And sometimes people hear, you know, transmissions and things. I would say transmute and ascend out of that transmission and go to the next level where it's quiet. Because where there's noise, um, there's going to be distortion, in my opinion, that kind of noise. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this kind of white noise thing that goes on, but sometimes people get like a lot of static and the static you need to go beyond because that's just almost like a barrier of, of transmission. So go beyond the barrier of transmission and go to the next level where it's smooth and clear and it feels more blissful. And that, and then you're aware, you have this self-awareness, uh, more lucid, like you understand where you are in consciousness. And at that point, you're like, well, what do I want to do with this space? Where do I want to go? Um, sometimes people will see things or they'll have images, but if they don't choose to see those things, this is a great time to control the reality. So in other words, you have control over your, your blueprint. And if something comes in, you don't want to be there. You have authority over that as your domain to claim your domain and move it out or, or you know, get it out of your um, radius. So that's something to look at also really controlling consciousness through multidimensional space. And, you know, sometimes we get picked up by other species or we have a communication. It just depends on the person. But that's the benchmark I use. And I will tell you one thing. Um, when I was after the induction, my dream time didn't, didn't happen the same way. It was, it was more like the Borg. It was disgusting. It was nothing but virtual communication system. It was just an interface, okay? And that's why I went, I was very adamant about talking about this because I know the beauty of spirit and consciousness and, and the raw consciousness versus this artificial array of garbage that they wanted to use to control manipulate. When you're in that, that space of the artificial, uh, do you, is it more like, a, you're, is it more a lucid experience that you can't control or can't get out of? You know, I would say it's not very controllable in a sense. It's it's a feed that you, it's a hard time, let me put it this way, it's hard to switch it off when it's a feed because it's literally something that's manufactured by an exterior signal. Mm -hmm. So I have a hard time pushing it out. Um, literally, I'd have to open my eyes sometimes to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So it's not, so, and I, it's really, really hard sometimes to to manipulate these things. But I did start to work with it and get to the point where I would destroy some of these things that were coming in. <laughs> now, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I'm telling you that's my domain and I didn't like it. I saw things that were very disgusting and evil at times, and I didn't want them here. So I, I did destroy and I did neutralize the space and clear the field. So however that works, whatever it takes to clear your field, in my opinion, needs to be done for that person, because otherwise you will become a victim of this technology and it will keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And let me tell you, I think it does it to learn from you, because after a while they create an auto-response communication system, which is literally AI. And the AI is learning from your brainwave activity. It's learning you. It's, it's literally learning like a chess game. So if you're fighting against it, it's going to match you and it's going to come back at you. It's just like that movie star. Oh, was it not? War Games? Was it War Games with the kid and the chess? But it's yes, literally yes. like that. It's literally an interface that starts to learn from you. Um, and it's, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun at all. Crazy. Yeah, it is. It's created by crazy people too. Yeah. Who live in some freaky pocket dimension. Yeah, I mean, it's, I always said, you know, do it to yourselves, don't do it to us. <laughs> we might <Yep>. get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you, so, okay, this is a two-part, this, this question has um, two sides to it. And, I mean, I think everything is so far with you because I want to know that this tech side and then I want to know the organic side. And um, so 
this question boils down to like prophecy or dreaming true. And um, if you've had it, if you have good examples, that's awesome. Um, because I love looking at the symbology. Um, so that's the question. And I, I'd like to hear about both sides of that because I'm gathering that now the tech can just be planted. Right. Um, the, you're right. And the prophecy part is interesting because I've always been able to see the future in the illusion of space and time. I understand now we can control our destiny and future to some degree, but I also remember um, having images of things where I would predict something and it would happen. So I was always having this gnosis of understanding the future before it arrived. Um, things that I, you know, for example, I would keep a logbook and journal um, of some of my experiences that were very lucid when I was younger and also up until like the late 90s until my induction. And I would have experiences of something that I thought was very prominent, like um, you're going to be going here, or you're going to be taking a trip here or something like that. And then I would just write it down out of the blue. And then later on, it would actually start to happen. And I'd look back and say, yes, there it is. Another um, example would be some of the readings I've done for people in the past where I'm literally streaming energy and consciousness, not, not technology, but consciousness and running their, their grid and running them and literally um, predicting information. And then I don't remember anything. I always tell them like, you know, I'll send you a summary and you can record it, but I won't remember. And later on, like a year later or two years later, they tell me everything I said came true. Um, now, I wasn't setting the intent to make that happen for them, but literally it was something that was on their timeline that I was able to access. So that is available to us. Um, the technology itself, when they're interfacing you, is, is very, um, it's just like the internet, in my opinion. I mean, it's literally an informational code that, that literally um, is linear. It doesn't have multidimensional space to it, or in my opinion, has any state of consciousness. Um, the technology itself can be good for remote viewing, or it can be good with a, another party like live feed, real time and communication. It has its place for SciSpy, where you can um, be someplace in, in, a, in a, a location somewhere, and somebody else, another party, live feed, real time, can be with you and witness what's going on. And then they kind of play the psychic because if there's another party involved interfacing with you, then they're going to play the psychic and say, "Well, I knew this, 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 and about you." And I'm like, "Well, how would you know that?" Because I was interfacing with this person live field real time, but you didn't know it. You know what I mean? It's that kind of a sneaky technology that really is about, in my opinion, not as good because you're not working with spirit and consciousness. You're working with a technological feed. And that feed is virtual. It's a virtual field and a digitized field. I don't know if that really makes sense what I just said, but hopefully it does. It does. I think we all are familiar with the difference between organic and digital. It's, mm -hmm. ne it's never the same. It's, right. You know. <laughs> yeah. As part of part of what's going on is is the apparent progression of time is that kids being born in the last, you know, in the digital age don't have a reference to when things were bef before this. And so like people in our age range understand what what an organic dream was and what organic mm -hmm. psychic experiences were and um, non-manipulated, at least to the degree it is now. So, right. um, and now I think that because there's no, no point of context for younger people, I, I wonder, I ponder, I'm, I'm curious as to how that's going to play out in the end. Mm -hmm. that's what do you think, point. Solaris? Well, I can tell you that cellular memory prevails. And so far as uh, who we are as multidimensional star people, which I call star people, we're star beings in suits here. Uh, we have cellular memory. So no matter what they do to edit us, censor us, insert stuff, uh, first of all, you know, you have that, once again, that's that gnosis that understands that this is this is not something that connects to my multidimensional design. This has been engineered and therefore it doesn't belong, that kind of thing. Um, so that part is there. The cellular memory, I think, will always be there within the organic body to some degree. However, I believe that children are being modified in the womb right now with all the technology. So I don't know what's going to be left of them. I think that they are engineered, and I think that there is a lot of heterodyning going on 
and a lot of um, cloning templates onto the brainwave activity of targets uh, to just modify and create kind of a socially engineered group of people. So it is interesting to see where we're heading. In my opinion, it's all about the transhumanism. That's where they want to go. It's about uh, merging with machines. But there's always something, it, it, when you merge with a machine world that they've created, it's not coming from the cosmos, then you're merging with their world, which is literally linear and very um, contained. It's their way or no way. It's not about expansion and consciousness. It's not about over, over going into DNA activation and multiversal ascended mastery and going into the mystery schools and learning and using your power to its full potential. This is about being controlled, contained, manipulated, and edited to some degree. That's just my own take on it. Is there... I have other questions here, but um, as you're speaking right there, I'm having flashes of like the Saturnian cube and also Pluto. Um, mm -hmm. Is there a connection? Yeah, it's a really good point. Once again, I, I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's really a good point. I don't like the cubes. I, I have a sense that they are very negative insofar as um, control mechanisms to some degree. So I would say anytime, I've, I've warned people about them before, I, I would say anytime there's a cube involved, you probably need to destroy it. And um, to me, that's about restriction, containment, and control and manipulation, and also frequencies and the misuse of technology through those frequencies and transmissions, which I feel have been around for a very long time. As a matter of fact, I feel like they've hijacked a lot of natural transmissions that were very ascension-oriented and have actually modulated the waves to such a degree that people are being inverted in their own design on a holographic level. So, yeah, I would say avoid those things and, and go beyond that spectrum into um, beyond the multi what I call the multiverse, the flight multiverse. Okay, and wait, so wait, 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 wait. there's okay, like go on, go on. so many things to unpack in that. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that's been around for a long time, do you think that there's been AI or some sort of intelligent, some intelligent entity, whatever it is, artificial, that's been around for like millions of years? I do think so. I don't know if it's an AI per se in that terminology, but I would say that it's yeah. a species of some kind that has been reverse engineered and to a point where they've created an artificial intelligence out of it, out of the DNA. So in other words, it's a, it's a manufactured linear artificial intelligence created from the old. It's a clone without a soul. Yeah, good example right there. Yeah, very well okay. said. Okay. So it's not unreasonable to think this particular system, entity, it's called entity, uh, has been influencing people and things for quite a long time, orchestrating even. Mm-hmm. I would say that there's a, the direction and the control mechanisms are always about uh, the people behind the scenery. You know, from what I've experienced, it's the military industrial complex that has control over this stuff and that whatever that thing is. Uh, so to me, it, it is really about them and their hijacking of something they shouldn't have hijacked, something they reverse engineered that they're deploying globally and have been doing for some time now. So. But I can also look at that as a reflection of what this system does to us. What, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, what hap what's happening to global consciousness today is reflected in, in that, them harnessing that. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. completely um, distorting our reality. It's creating a <laughs> false matrix that we're literally becoming victims of. And I don't, I don't play the victim, and neither does anybody else that I'm aware of, but uh, we certainly need to break orbit with the transmission and the frequencies. And that's why I say this whole thing about what they're doing with with 5G and everything else, it's anything to overlay and create a frequency fence even more so than what they've had. And the weaponization of our entire biodome is, is a big deal because it's just, it's going to seal this technology and this, this energy in. It's, I'm, I'm curious if, if the planet, the earth will evolve to uh, break through that or, or get around it. You know, it's, they're essentially putting up a firewall. 
Correct. Between and you, I you and yeah. nature. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I, I would say that, in my opinion, I think we're in the wrong space-time configuration. I think that they have modulated and overlaid so many ley lines and so many power spots with bad technology and information and bad transmissions that are manufactured by our global warfare department that we literally are failing as a species and a race right now. And churches. And I, I do feel like that at some point in the continuum, this cycle is going to break free. And I, I do feel that when they talk about the new Earth star, I don't think it's here. I think that we are supposed to be bilocated off planet to, a, to another destination. Um, this place is, is no more. I mean, in my opinion, I, I feel like it's going to do its thing and it's going to implode and we are going, the people that are spent to go at some point in the continuum will go to where they need to be. But this whole cycle needs to be uh, taken down. It seems this like it's, it's been being prolonged or postponed. Mm -hmm. on, exactly. on, 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 on. Yeah, it's like a carousel that never ends. It's like a cycle. What's interesting, it's like Groundhog Day. You know, We're living yep. the same looping program. Everybody's doing the loop. It's like, this is ridiculous. Century after century after century, and the same behavioral pattern, You know, the same technology, same behavioral pattern surfacing, even belief systems become a poison. So it's got to change. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I mean, I think that even without tech belief systems, should be challenged and are definitely a form of, of self-slavery, you know, enslaving oh, oneself to, unless, you know, unless you're an open-minded person willing to move with new data and move forward. Um, but people who get stuck in, in those kinds of indoctrinated ways do seem rather sad. Oh, yeah. it's the same thing. You know, they're creating the reality. And the saddest part of all is that when they die, they're going to have that same reality when they leave. It's their belief system and manifestation. It's given to you according to your beliefs. Well, there you go. So whatever they believe in on this timeline and the illusion of will manifest for them when they transfer out. Will it be right? Will it be the right destination? Probably not. And one, one thing I can tell you also with this technology, they can, they can pretty much enslave as anybody exiting their body in the death cycle. So they can sit there and interface somebody as they're dying and then pull them into some kind of a void and say, oh, look, it's your ancestors. Oh, look, it's this tunnel of light when it's probably manufactured. That's even more creepy. There's all kinds of stuff they can pull. And I'll tell you, be, be very, very aware of what the capabilities are. And don't be afraid. Just know. Just have the gnosis. I've, I've said for years that I think I, I pissed them off last time and I'm locked out now. <laughs> that, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. But I mean, there's, there's no... Well, you know what? I'm not coming back here. I'm done. I was like, you know what? That's it for oh, me, yeah. guys. Yeah. Is there... Speaking of belief systems, I wholeheartedly believe that I will wake up in the control room of this reality when I die. I'm going to turn this shit off. <laughs> oh, all right. We'll be in there celebrating. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I say yes. And that's another thing. That's the best thing you could possibly do is know, know the game. And you do. Yeah. Is there a way to navigate? So, I mean, we have ancient sources of navigating death. And we talk about death in the show. Usually that's kind of later, but, um, you know, we have the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, lots of manuscripts, illuminated manuscripts dealing with after you've left the body and how to navigate, which, you know, is coming back into the collective conscious slowly, um, but was really separated for a very long time, this kind of idea that you do have to navigate. And it's in all the ancient schools. Um, do you have any insight for us, and especially now that stuff like this false light has come on to, into the conversation and all this other stuff dealing with tech, um, what does one do? Okay, well, in my opinion, it's, it's about your soul's essence of origin or your celestial embodiment, which, which was created before you showed up here on this timeline. 
And as I've touched on, you probably have heard me say this many times over, but we exist simultaneously beyond the illusion of space and time as multidimensional beings. So even though you, we, are, we are having a conversation here on this timeline, we exist in multidimensional space through consciousness always. And consciousness already has the components and the coordinates to get us home. So all you have to do is, is fixate, and not fixate, but literally set your coordinates to your higher self over self superconscious and your multiversal ascended mastery and, and just go home. And home is beyond the galactic center. It's beyond this illusion of the space-time configuration. It's beyond where mankind believes his origin is from. It's, it's our true celestial essence of origin. And with that comes the full light, um, what I call the full light universe, full light spectrum and, and inner peace. And at least for me, um, this is the way I navigate because I realize that you cannot trust the distortions around you and the tricksters and the gatekeepers and all these things that have been manufactured by belief systems. I mean, even the astral plane can be polluted and very uh, destructive. People have to be very careful in the astral. Could be. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I've had yeah, I've had voodoo hit that on my butt <laughs> like before. The, so. the, the whole lower fourth dimension apparently is just loaded with parasites. Yeah, it is. And what's interesting, and the way I see it is kind of like a membrane. I see, I see this dimensional field. I see everything as multidimensional space with energy streams. But to me, it's like um, it's a membrane. And once you tear through the membrane, you're going to see all this weird stuff, like like almost like a lot of traffic with a lot of what you call parasites, a lot of other things. And then you get past all that, and then there's nothing but but smooth riding and, and and just like a, a blissful kind of state of consciousness. It's none of this crazy chaotic stuff that's going on. But I do think that everything associated is a byproduct of century after century after century of belief systems, misuse of technology, and even even rituals that have gone bad. I mean, literally, um, just the misuse of everything. I hope I answered your question there, Nish. Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay. <clears throat> it's funny though when you were saying that, I couldn't help but think, well, how do I? How do I trust what I think I trust? You know, well, that's your mental body asking the question and your emotional body. But think about the higher self over soul superconscious. Think about the gnosis associated with that that already knows. Before you showed up and arrived on this world, you already have that information in there. Yeah. So that's my point. It's the higher self over soul, over soul and superconscious is why I always talk about that because it's the soul star that oversees you on this timeline. It's, it's that which is connected to what I call full source or full light energy, full light universe that literally knows all. And it's who we are. I mean, we, we come from the stars. We go home to the stars. I love to say that because it's so true. And, and being here, okay, we've been here, done that, got the t-shirt and the hat, but this is not our essence of origin. We are yeah. much more advanced than this in consciousness. Much oh, more. Oh, yeah. I, I de I'm 100% there with that. Uh, it's just that there's so much to be weary of. And, mm -hmm. and I'm a questioning person anyway. Well, it's good to um, question. I think, Absolutely. Well, I think any good which should be. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean good as in like white light i'm just talking to a proper witch um so it's still like to the point where i might question if this is really information that is coming from my higher sense my true fully intact um essence soul whatever uh, mm -hmm. because right now there's so much fuckery and in infiltration and fragmentation with these sine waves with all these all this electromagnetic magnetic energy this viral type um experience we're having that i i now question everything i even have started to question my um gut intuition which has always been razor sharp and um but I have been, like you said, parsing out what what's really aggressively pushing itself to me is does seem not organic. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm just trying to apply all this to the after we leave the stage, you know, the death experience. Um, but you know, see. So on that though, in in the in dreams, okay, Jerry, go on. No, you cut out. <clears throat> 
Oh, sorry. Like your last sentence, I think. Well, I'll just go to in dreams being so do you experience people you've known that have passed? Have you had these have, do you experience them in the dream? Um in the dreamscape and how do you know that it it is them if you have experienced them? Hmm. I can only say I've only seen one being that I've recognized that was my grandmother that showed up in a in a vision. And I can't tell you if it was really her or not because I was plugged into the technology at the time. Uh, but I do know she was a very powerful clairvoyant and an Eastern star and somebody that I don't think would dabble around and play games with me. So that's one thing I have seen, but I haven't seen many people who have uh, transferred out that have come to me. Uh, but I do get, insofar as the uh, the frequency goes, I do get spirits that come in and go. And especially around Sao, and I would have a lot of activity around with spirits coming in and leaving and, and just uh, being gentle. But insofar as real visuals, I uh, have not had that happen, uh, except for maybe once. And, uh, and other people, like I said, <clears throat> excuse me, I've seen people that have died, but I'm not sure it's them. I, I can't trust it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where I am with a lot of stuff. The In contemporary, where we are in this kind of point in the circle of space-time, um, I don't know what I trust now. As a younger person, when I experienced people die before they died and got confirmation upon waking, usually close to me, that I trusted because that actually happened. It was real and uh, it was pre-internet. Right, that's exactly <laughs> so, it. And that's the benchmark I use prior to having all this information and technology on the internet and also my induction that's another thing i use as a benchmark yes yeah this is man this is great okay so i want to ask a question and bringing us back to this central central point here your the way you experience the dream time landscape the architecture of it how how does it appear to you in in really I want to get like all your senses involved, of course, you know, mm -hmm. tactile and all that. But w visually, um, what does it appear like for you? Okay, back before I was inducted, it would appear as um, lots of color and a, a feeling, a sensitivity, as far as uh, environment goes. Uh, I could describe environments very, very well. They were very surreal to some degree, uh, very beautiful, very pretty, very ethereal. And after the induction, things went very technical. So um, it wasn't pretty anymore. Uh, more machine oriented, a lot of virtual, a lot of virtual, um, almost like video games, almost like being inside a video game, that kind of thing. So it was very, very different. So that's the difference that I can describe. Have, have you ever done any hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic or entheogens? You know, I haven't. It's really interesting. I'm very expanded in consciousness naturally, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not one to do like drugs. And, you know, we used to have beer once in a while when I, I think I mentioned this before sure. when I was married and run road races, but I'm not one. I'm usually very organic in consciousness. So I don't, I feel like I'm so expanded in consciousness. And I never needed anything to kind of boost that. No, um, you I know, was... I'm not against people doing psychedelics or ayahuasca. I know plenty of people who have, and they seem to have had very productive experiences with it. Yeah, uh, I... But for me, it's, um, you know, I never needed those things. I seem like I just went full speed ahead naturally. Totally. I, I get that. I was more curious. I was curious about that, but also the, uh, how, how alike is it to astral travel or, or lucid dreaming? Uh, that oh, bad right. experience. That's kind of what I was looking at. Yeah. Well, you know, the astral traveling is, is obviously out of body and you're aware you're traveling. It's like the speed of, of your own body moving. Um, and, and it's what's really interesting is that when you're doing consciousness in motion, it's, it's consciousness. In other words, you're literally, um, you think so you are. In other words, 
if you want to think it, it's there. When I, when I was interfaced with the technology, I mean, we did some cool stuff. And I can remember being and being able to move to de destinations through consciousness, just like uh, if I want to go to a certain planet, say, uh, I can do that through my mind. I, and it's not like, oh, it's in your head. You're going in your head. No, you can literally travel through consciousness. That's the whole idea behind who we are as multidimensional beings. They know this. That's why they want to weaponize it. Jerry, did you have a follow-up on that? I'm parsing. No, no, I don't. Okay. No, it's not. Thank you. Sorry. So, okay, I have a couple. So these are kind of like, um, what's the, I'll just ask the question. Is it, everything with you is a little different, which is great. Um, what's the difference in states of consciousness, say dream time versus what we call this time awake uh, in quotes, awake time, uh, meditation, um, death, all, you know, all the states we can think of. What do you think the membrane that, what is the membrane that separates these apparent uh, uh, states of consciousness? I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that they're all kind of blended to some degree, except for they're defined by frequency. In other words, if we alter our vibration, we are going to open up a gateway or a stargate or a portal within to access that dimensional feed or that dimensional um, space. That's the way I look at it anyway. So I think they're all connected. And I think that we go in and out of worlds simultaneously through our conscious and subconscious and don't even realize it throughout the day. Um, most people, in my opinion, are in a catatonic state. And the reason I say this is because they're programmed to do their things from day to day and go to work and go home. And I get that. We all have to survive. But that is a program. And it is almost like they're on autopilot. They're not really thinking. Um, they're just going and doing and going through the motions of existing and living unless they get into some kind of activity where they're switching switching gears and uh, getting physical, you know, whether it's exercise or, or meditation or something else. But to me, that's what's going on. I think it's just defined by frequency, but it's all there simultaneously. What do you think about the idea of uh, the NPCs or bots or soulless beings? Uh, there's really only maybe a million, 10 million actual humans here and sold in bodies. And suits. Right. The rest are all well, uh, characters, yeah. avatars. Yeah, I've seen that actually. <clears throat> Excuse me, I should probably just water here in a second. But um, I do see that in a sense that some people, in my opinion, are, are entity controlled, which means there's nobody home. They're just uh, vessels. And whatever's driving them is literally some kind of a, I don't know if it's synthetic or part of an artificial intelligence, uh, but it is definitely, there's something missing with them. And it's it's like their celestial design work or their soul spirit consciousness is not inside the vessel. So I have seen that. And you can tell by the way people behave from day to day. I mean, there's such things as programming, but there's another side to it, <clears throat> excuse me, that literally is around um, people not being able to have compassion for their fellow man or being violent with animals and things like that. You can see the patterning is not normal. It's not celestial, what I call celestial. Um, like, there's no celestial compass. Like pounding on the Supreme Court door, that kind of Yeah, activity. there you go. Well, yeah, it's this erratic craziness that's going on. I mean, <laughs> I, know. I understand everybody has the right to protest. I totally get that. But when you become violent and stupid and ignorant, it's just, it's got to stop. <laughs> got to stop. Do like, a check. Do Shadow yourself, as I always say. I concur. Is there... So, okay. With... Uh, with what is... I feel like you... Um, although I haven't got a direct sense of this, but tell me what... When I say soul, what is that for you? How do you see what the soul is? How do you right. experience it? Well, the soul is energy and consciousness. In my opinion, it is what we are. And I hate to say soul too. It doesn't really sound right. Um, I know, I know. Other things. Your star body, I call it our star beings. We're star bodies. Um, that that kind of correlates. 
we are, that is that infinite part of us that is beyond what I call beyond 26 billion years old. We are ancient, ancient, ancient celestial beings, beings, life forms with a very vast intelligence and, and literally co-creators of source that have been on multiple worlds, multiple realities um, through beyond the illusion of space and time and are here on this timeline for whatever purpose and whatever design work in our blueprints to be here in the moment in the illusion of. So that to me, that's, it's a sacred, sacred design that is a gift to who we are and it cannot be destroyed. It's immortal and it has no foundation in any real religion. So that's how I define it. Excellent. Is there, is there, okay, within this set of opposites and we see it in the mystery schools a lot, it's all over. Um, and it's all, it also falls within the dualistic ideas as well. The idea of intent and fate, how do you see that working out in the larger picture here with, with the experience we're all having? I think that we can change our reality, as you well know, and that we don't have to become victims of this whole environment, but we have to stay strong as pillars of light and be communicating out there and actually changing the dynamic in order to, um, to really make this change happen. I don't believe in fate, per se. I really don't. I believe that sometimes we are pre-selected for certain things by other people who basically have interfered with our destiny. In other words, what I call the entanglement program, where they're literally, like what happened to me in 2004, in my opinion, I didn't see it coming because it wasn't supposed to, seriously. They entangled me into a program I shouldn't have been involved in, bottom line. So that is a big game changer on so many different levels, and it affects so much in multidimensional space. So I can use that as an example. But I did take my power back, and I keep reestablishing a, a fine-tuned network with the cosmic design versus them. So that's the difference. So I think people need to be aware, they need to be enlightened, and they need to understand consciousness to the level of how they can control and change the reality from day to day. It starts from your own parameters and your own little homes and your own environments, and then it permeates out into your network of people you associate with from day to day. And also this um, just, just being unconditionally civil to each other, you know, being kind, stepping it up to the galactic neighborhood, as I like to say. I mean, those are, those are some things people can do to be awakened on that level. I really use these days um, empathy. I, empathy and when I'm viewing it in other people, when I experience it, the idea of empathy is a, and until the, whatever, whatever it is we're talking about, until the tech can get there, um, is still to me very organic. And, and as you were talking about earlier, um, when you see people that are mean to animals and are, you know, just like fan clawing each other and all this, this lack of empathy, that's a, a warning sign to me that there's mm -hmm. something something else going on and there's a lot of language we could wrap that in but it's well there's it's, also the natural uh responses that are built into the r complex uh in our reptilian brains we've got certain mechanisms certain people have uncontrollable uh behaviors when they're in a mob in a group of people right and participation mistake as jung said something like that and there's also a thing about um beheadings does something it triggers some primal thing in people it sounds like a mind control program to some degree but also i don't know if you realize um maybe you all do but it's usually when this is the story but supposedly when when uh, people get beheaded it is a disconnect completely for them being able to reincarnate on the planet again i don't know if you've ever heard that before i've not. only heard that about reptilians well what i, I find interesting is i think that, that that's what they're trying to disable is is the ability to incarnate back on this world how that's just that... my own take. And also the Godhead, they're cutting off the crown chakra. In yes. the sure, but if right? you're, you, I, I am of the opinion that if we have souls there in our hearts or in or around there, mm -hmm. not, not in our heads, so I can't see how that would affect any reincarnation. 
Which well, is I don't a, think it a, does, but I think that's the, the method behind why they do what they do. That's uh, just my own take. It could be. Plus, but reincarnation is their own system that they put up. So Correct. Once again, I, I would never reincarnate back here. And the reincarnation cycle, the illusion of, in my opinion, is broken anyway. I think it's a mind game. That's oh, where... if you do this, you do that, you can come back and finish it. You know what I always say? Do it now. Fix it right now. Stop pretending you can come back in another lifetime and fix it. Do it now. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> you know? Don't come back. Oh my gosh, I can't stand that whole thing. Oh, I'll get another chance. I'll come back. And no, you won't. Do it right now. Sorry, I don't want to get on a rant here, but but also, you know, what else I was thinking when you were talking about the empathy was the mimic program. It's other words that people tend to mimic. So if you smile at them, they'll smile back. If you're hostile oh, yeah. and you radiate negativity, they'll feel it and they'll they'll respond and more defensive. So once again, it's ebb and flow and it's energetic too. That's classic NLP, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. Correct. Little, little yeah. kids, I stick my tongue out at them all the time and they they'll do it back to you. I love that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's literally part of the training in NLP. I mean, mm -hmm. I could go into that. Um, and so, when I speak of when I speak of this lack of empathy, too, I don't mean like um, you know, if you come at me, I'm going to do everything I can to not fight you. I'm also trained in martial arts. Nice. Um, what style are you? Wing Chun. Oh, sweet. Yeah, Shaolin, all the way. And ass and, kicker. All right. <laughs> um, and so if, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to not fight always. I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, even verbally, I just don't want those interactions. But if I have to, and you're coming at me, and it's going to be a situation, I'm going to fight. And if I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight to win. So that is different from, say, like, lack of empathy. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. So it's hard to parse that out sometimes when when I when I'm asking these questions because it's like I'm not talking about pushovers. I'm talking about this crazy ass stuff we see now, mm -hmm. where where people are just completely detached altogether, where they don't actually feel human, mm -hmm. um, which plays into that whole NPC stuff and all that we've already talked about. What about Solaris recurring dreams for you? Recurring dreams. Um, I can't say I've ever had those, quite honestly. I haven't had recurring dreams or imagery. Even back in the old days, I would have experiences here and there, but they never reoccurred. So that's not something that's a pattern with me. Um, yeah, not at all. Not even with the technology. It's not reoccurring. It's very new and different, usually. And also, so this is um, this is something in the quantum idea of the, um, you know, the the double slit experiment and stuff, the idea of, of so we see, we see this, if we step out of the world of tech too, we see this in the ancient world. And, um, and we definitely see it in mystery schools and in magic, the art and um, power of observing, right? Mm -hmm. You can change things. But now the science has backed that up. Right. Um, what do you think about that as a driving factor in the experiences that we're all having in waking life? So let me let me hone in on that. Like um, the crazy the craziness around like the political arena. It seems like the more people observe it and get triggered by it, whatever that is, the bigger and gnarlier and nastier it's getting by mm -hmm. observance. Correct. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're giving power to it by observing it and also putting their energy on it, just like anything else. It's just like uh, remote influencing. So to some degree, you're influencing something, even if it's a positive or negative, you're feeling and you're exchanging energy. And even in the virtual field, even on the internet, we're doing the same thing. So yeah, it's a momentum and it's very uh, destructive at this point because people aren't doing any spiritual work. They're just kind of engaging in the experience and it's getting kind of chaotic. 
do you think <clears throat> so this is more of a this is definitely philosophical but mm-hmm. and and it's an idea it, it's just an idea it's always when it's when i've always played with and um and it, so it's not negating the experience we're having in waking life and it, it's just another angle in, in which i ponder mm-hmm. um that it's possible that we are actually i guess for lack of a better word all dead as far as um of course we can cut ourselves and die and all that, you know, like feel pain, all this stuff. Is it possible that this is kind of like a way station waking life? I think it's a false past. I think we're living in a, in a time, a space time configuration that is off. And that's why it feels like we're not alive. And the reason I say that is because of all the distortions and the manufactured technologies as we kind of touched on earlier. But to me, we are, we are immortal beings and we are experiencing a timeline that in my opinion should not exist. I believe that we don't belong here. I believe as ancient celestial types and star beings, we are on the wrong space, based on configuration and timeline and that it's never gonna feel right until we get out of here. Do you think we've been trapped? I think that they've tried to run interference to such a degree they're trying to contain us, yes. Um, Not necessarily trap per se, but containment, however you wanna respond to that. And uh, the reason I say that is because some of the things they do with national security and the fact that they're always tagging contactees in my labs, and I've touched on this before, but the Mm -hmm. whole process behind that is to run interference against the um, the subject so that they're not able to access their multidimensional design or beings who can reactivate them in that level or on that level too. So, so you're realizing that people are trying to bottleneck this whole world through technology to a point where we can't get off planet unless we are part of their uh, their group that they want off planet. Unless point. you're a Rothschild. Correct. Or <laughs> part of the, I don't know, 1% yeah, wealthy right. over there. Yeah, that's their plan, but they're going to get they're going to get crushed anyway. So I'm not worried about it my opinion. Damn interesting stuff. And okay. So I want to dive back into some dream imagery. Um, so if you've had, if you have anything to bring to the table, you're willing to share, that'd be excellent. Okay. I'm looking for in particular stuff with water and deep water and possibly like, um, things that live in water. Interesting. Um, well, Water. Well, I did have the astral experience I talked about with the water. Um, and so far as I've had experiences with the astral, once again, with water and tanks, and I've touched on that before in Misha's group. So that's that's something that being in liquid water and being in a in a contained, whatever it was, a containment area where I was in water. I don't want to say it's a tank, but it seemed like a tank, a very big tank with a propulsion in the background. And I remember that. And I remember floating in the water and breathing in the water and being alone in the water and having the engine, feeling the propulsion of that um, behind me. And it was keeping me kind of in a stasis to a point where they were able to move me. I remember that very clearly and that was in the eighties. So that's my water experience. That's fascinating. That's definitely fascinating. That's, and that's um, I, I mean, you could say abductee, contactee, I can't put a, pl- I don't know. I just tell you it was really weird. <laughs> it's really yeah, weird. Yeah, that's where I'm with stuff. Like you, people can package anything the way they want you know it's i'm just looking for those experiences Mm -hmm. and the 80s really validates that you know it sinks it into this earlier period Mm -hmm. um what about what are your ideas on races or um stuff that we're not necessarily it's not in our visible range of sight um living in deep water um, to me, I believe that we have all kinds of interdimensional beings and a lot of what I call, um, I don't want to say they're astral beings, but I, I find them to be more elemental oriented. I, I believe there are a lot of different kinds of species that can navigate through the water. 
And the water contains access portals just like anything else. That's just another medium, but it can certainly be a medium for a portal to another destination, another dimensional field. So I believe there are a lot of different kinds of species that do reside in the water that perhaps are not picked up on through um, due to their own transmission and frequency. I think it's through the water that it's the portal to get to space. If, Very good. If space is real. Well, yeah, beyond the Great Barrier. Well, yeah. you know, and also if, if you go into the, according to my astral projection, um, you go in through the ocean, but you can actually exit out and actually get into space through the ocean as well. So yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that would explain why they, yeah, because the rockets all go out to sea and then you lose them. So they must be going, if they're actually going up there, they, they go down to the water. It's one big cosmic ocean anyways, when you think about it. I mean, to me, it seems like we are on the bottom of the sea, just living right here in the illusion of space and time. I've brought yeah, this up before. Yeah, I get a sense of that, definitely. Yeah, how do we know that oxygen isn't a liquid and that we're in basically a scuba suit and we have gills? You know, it's just a mm -hmm. different density of atmosphere, water versus well, oxygen. We have spacesuits. I mean, that's what our bioelectric field is about. And we are not in the right environment in frequency. This is a bad frequency for us. And in my opinion, um, yeah, I think things need to be remodulated. I really do. I don't feel like we're being... Um, helped at all through some of the things we're dealing with here. No, I think the digital waves themselves are harmful to the environment because they're not natural. They're not natural sine wave, they're square waves. And there's a whole lot of energy that's getting lost. Mm -hmm. And that's, right. you can think of that as, I think of it as radiation. So mm -hmm. all that radiation is polluting the, the, the fields of everything. That's a good point. Yeah. I go so far as to say, not even our energetic field, but our actual apparent physical bodies are spacesuits. I mean, these are, we're in, sure. in them. <laughs> but we're also suited for this target atmosphere to a degree. Right. I mean, we can't survive underwater or above a certain height. No. Unless you get calibrated for it. But if you're calibrated for, like, say, we go, we talk about light body Merkaba, if you get calibrated to a certain dimensional frequency and field, your molecular structure changes, everything changes within you, and you can, you can be able to navigate and actually sustain yourself on another world that's compatible with that frequency. It's about the frequency. If they were to change the dimensional fields uh, in alignment with your frequency, you'd be fine in any place, in any space-time configuration, in any location on the map on space, if you ask me. But, but these things aren't managed by humans. Well, we are not from here. Let's put it that way. We know what to do through calibration and consciousness, but once again, it is being um, tampered with by, by two-leggeds. You know, they're, they're, they're pulling all kinds of stunts. So. I'm sure they're messing with it, but I, I just can't imagine that they're controlling it. Like, maybe, maybe, I don't know. It, it's, so what about like CERN? Do you think they're just a distraction or are they doing damage or are they doing reality experiments? Or Yeah, I've been trying to monitor them for years now. And I would say, um, I don't think they know what they're dealing with. And I don't think they understand the concept behind opening up portals or dimensional gateways because... You know, there's usually a space-time configuration and there's a, a stargate alignment that happens when you open up a stargate, for example. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when these guys are opening up their own portals or whatever it is they're trying to open up, it's literally just tearing a, a rip in the fabric of space and time. In other words, I think they're just tearing holes. And with that comes entities and a lot of other crap. And I don't think they're bringing anything pure in and I don't think they're accessing anything divine. And that's, that's the problem for them. It's just like little kids with a miniature black hole. I mean, they don't understand what they're doing. And it can create some problems down the road, if you ask me. I also think it's slowed down some things here. I think it's created inertia and a gravity well. That's my own take. Mm -hmm. And that's why I keep saying we're in the wrong space-time configuration. I'm not sure if CERN actually had 100% to do with that. But we are definitely not operating on the right timeline and frequencies. We're definitely not resonating on those right vibrational fields. 
uh, two, I think it was two years ago they started, they moved up the uh, particles that were colliding from ha uh, hadron particles to lead particles. And they achieved like a thousand times, uh, they got up to, I think it was like three tera electron volts out of these collisions. This year I heard they were going to start colliding gold particles. Oh, I just thought that was really interesting. Like, okay, what's going on there? Yeah, no, I, I don't know what's going on at CERN. I think, to me, they're like the uh, the bots banging on the Supreme Court door. They just don't know what they're doing, and they right. think it's Reckless. right. They believe it's correct, or they're on a mission, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, the answer lies with the stargates, and it it lies through the sun, too. I mean, I'm not going to give them all the information. I'm sure you guys figured it out, but, you know, we, we already know how to fuel ourselves, and, and the bioelectric fields field knows how to respond to uh, certain levels of what we call light body and Merkaba, which is the vehicle of light, which which actually allows us to navigate beyond the illusion of space and time in our own bodies. So the, whatever they're looking for, what they call the God particle or a lot of other particles is really uh, connected to photons. And it's, which, it's really not rocket science. But, and I, <laughs> I heard this, there's a guy on YouTube who's got really interesting views on science and, and natural science specifically. And he's been talking about, or I heard him talking about light and what light is. And I've always personally had a problem with light since high school. It's like, this does not make any sense. Anyway, um, it's supposedly a wave and a particle at the same time, and it also is in a packet. The photon is a packet of energy, you know, yada, yada. You know how, you know how normal physics, the standard model of physics describes it, right? He says, basically, that if you take, a, take light and you, what we call light and split it into two things, you've got a phenomena of illumination that occurs, and then you've got energy being shot in a, you know, think of it as an invisible laser beam, right? And his idea is that light is actually a function of the domain we're in. And the energy hitting this light domain illuminates that point. Interesting. Well, it's a way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, you can look at it on a holographic scale, too, on that level, but very, very interesting. Yeah, I'd have to check his website out. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff. He's got uh, magnetism. He talks about how that's all wrong. It's all not really the way that people think it is. Hmm. He's great. Well, I know gravity's, you know, magnetism actually is where it's at, not gravity. And of course, they lot of, I don't know what the deal was with the old totem scientists of old. I'm not sure, except for Tesla. I'm not certain insofar as why they had those guys out there. Because a lot of their information, in my opinion, was not correct. I'm not even sure Tesla existed. Well, his information and technology did. That's for damn sure. Well, I hear that. He was a walk -in. <laughs> I think he was a walk-in. He's an off-brother. Something. He was definitely. Yeah, he's unique. I love his work. And unfortunately, they weaponized a lot of it. But man, oh, man, you know, it was uh, had they just gone full speed ahead with the right usage of what he wanted, I think we would have had a great world. If you, do you know who Eric Dollard is, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Eric Dollard has talked about Tesla's, um, was it Rad Radcliffe Tower? His wireless energy oh, thing? Wardenclyffe. Wardenclyffe. Sorry, I apologize. Wardenclyffe Tower. Okay. Um, that today, the way it worked is it actually sent the energy through the planet. Mm -hmm. It didn't go through the air. and with the energy consumption of today's devices, you could, it's impossible to use it. It would make the planet explode. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, they have their own death ray, supposedly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't see people. I mean, the black scientists, but yeah. I'm sure they, if they must have, if they have it, they have everything. So it's like, unless I right. see. But there's it, always a bigger bully on the block. And that's why I always say, you know, be careful what you do with these black scientists. And I've always warned those guys. Excuse me, because there's an off-world race that's very compassionate and loving, and I'm very clear that there are off-world species out there, even though I don't communicate with them day to day. And I'm sure that they can wink this planet out in a heartbeat. So I, I don't know why there's this arrogance, you know. 
Uh, but yeah. it needs to stop. Yeah, it's crazy. Craziness. I'm sorry, Nish. I get the dream stuff no, no, over. No, no, this just... is cherry. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> On Online with all this that um, you're talking about right now, and I feel like we have a good understanding. I feel like I kind of know what you may say here, but D-Wave computers. Are you familiar? Well, I've heard of them, and I don't put much... I don't put much emphasis on them, in my opinion. I, I think that everything's obsolete before it gets created. But um, you know, quantum me, computing, though. That's I think the the topic is quantum quantum computers. Well, and, and then there's quantum, and then there's zero point. And there is a difference between quantum and zero point, sure. even though people want to mesh both of them together. And that's my point: is like even what they're doing is outdated, even though they think it's the latest thing since sliced bread. So to me, I don't really put much emphasis on it. Although I do think it will have something to do with possible um, brainwave entrainment to some degree depending on how they use, once again, the frequencies and signatures associated with these technologies. But uh, from what I've seen, the zero point is really where it's at, and they cannot replicate that. When they do, it becomes just a, a distortion. It doesn't, it doesn't have the same kick that the real zero point does in the multiverse. Because this is a fake instance. It's all created. You know, as soon as it's like what goes, it's kind of like Vegas. What, what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's yeah. the same thing. What they create here, happens, here. Yeah. it really is not part of the, the mechanics of the cosmos. But we are. It's like we're dangling. Yeah, we are. In That's the beauty of it. We have the components. We have the supercomputer brains. We're the supercomputers, not their, not their stuff. Hmm. They know that. That's why they hijack beings like us and interface us with technology. Do you know how brilliant that is? I mean, when I look at it, I, I hate the idea of them weaponizing it, but think about it. Think about the capabilities of being able to do this <sighs> with a brain. Okay? Isn't that amazing? But yet they're such idiots with it. That's what makes me so angry. I've heard similar, like you're going back to the, the skill downloading and programming. Um, I've heard other program participants discuss things like visors where they have some deep learning like jammed into their eyeballs through a series of, of pictures and whatnot. Like mm -hmm. learn, learn a language in 15 minutes or an hour or something like that. Oh, you can do that with a signal interface. You don't need any headset. You don't need a visor. The, old, the stuff that they're doing that's more um, mainstream is, is going to have all the, you know, the, the gadgets. But normally you can just do the signal interface and you can get a download. You can get um, data streams. You can get information. You can get pictures. You can get anything. Yeah, it that's sounds... why it's sci-spy. That's why they call it sci-spy technology. <laughs> it sounds amazing <laughs> and would, sounds like it'd be great to have, but it's like, oh, man. I don't want that shit in my body. You know? you know, I was I was very naive in a sense that I trusted my handler completely, but I was also being controlled and handled, and I didn't realize that I was completely in, entrained. Um, and I did I was not afraid of it because it wasn't, uh, in my opinion, I felt like this was really new and it was something that I could work with on on the technological level. But it became uh, mind control and a lot of other negative things down the road. So it has its potential, but I'll tell you what there um, there are agencies involved that are very evil that are involved in these things, and they they really want to control it. Yeah, they want to control it and anybody who has access to it, and it's not good. Just imagine if it got out, and you think today what kind of data capture is going on by, by the system, right? Mm -hmm. Almost all of our digital communications are filtered through some government thing. Yep. If, if there was some kind of device or technology that came out like that, what kind of data collection do you think they would have then. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's an like, invasion of privacy out the wazoo. And that's why I, I called it in 2006 when I testified. That's why I've been pounding the doors down on DC because I'm mm -hmm. trying to mention this. Like, this is basically an invasion of privacy because whatever I have access to, my handler has access to. Back in 2004, my handler had access to everything. Everything. They're more concerned about who's stuck, who's dick, and whom. That's right. And isn't it stupid? 
Yeah. It's really, I, I mean, it's... I, I just don't get me started with that crap. I know I get annoyed too. <laughs> and like I said, I was out there and, and nobody paid attention to my case. It was shoved under the carpet and they did a lot of damage control and sanitization. And then this clown shows up and, you know, I'm like, don't get me started with what happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but geez, you know, I get very offended because I've been through the, the mill with this technology and I'm still here and I'm, you know, I'm gracious and everything, but geez, nobody said anything to me. I wasn't, I wasn't asked to go talk out there in DC. They're trying to snuff me out. Mm -hmm. well, well, don't get me started. I don't read that. I can digress, but it just, I'm sorry. All right. It's my Aries. <laughs> sorry, Nish. No, that's totally Aries. I'm smiling about it. I, oh, please. I love when people get, get. What side are you, Nish? What side are you? Um, Taurus sun, Gemini moon, nice. uh, wait, Leo, Gemini rising, Leo moon, 12th, oh. 11th house sun. I could go into my chart, but cool. it's, I think it's the, the Mercury, the Gemini rising. Oh, that's a good communicator though. What about you, Jerry? I'm a Pisces sun with a Scorpio moon. Ooh, wow. That's intense. That's nice though. Very psychic. You are. Water, water with Jerry. Yes. I got also no, a good detective. No fire. Like path seven too, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got it all lined up. I got just got to stay, you know, straight. <laughs> Very interesting. What, um, Solaris, what about uh, sleep paralysis? Have you experienced that? You know, I never had sleep paralysis. I did have when I was inducted in 2004. It was a, um, I wouldn't call it paralysis. It was definitely a, um, when they hit me with a frequency, it definitely makes you want to just kind of freeze. But it wasn't really like I couldn't move. It was just a different space and dimensional field is the way I call it. So I've had that before. And of course, a lot of people with contactees would like to call it that, but it's, it's not that at all. It's a technological interface that creates a, a different kind of field around the body. Yeah, but I could move if I wanted to, but it was just very different. That's, the, that's as close to a stasis as I've ever been in. Um, I think maybe when I was younger, you know, you always get those kind of before you go leave your body, you get, you get that feeling of maybe sinking down and not being able to move. And then all of a sudden you're, you're free and you're outside your body. I've had that before, but that wasn't really a paralysis either. Will you talk a little bit on um, things that feed on us? Oh gosh, where do I start? Where does it end? Um, <laughs> I know. Everywhere. I have parasites out the wazoo. I do my clearance. <laughs> Hopefully I won't contaminate you all. But I, I mean, so much, oh gosh, disembodied spirits, um, astral entities. We can go by elementals. Sometimes can be very, very uh, parasitic. We have now, we have the, um, the technology, which is a parasite to the body, obviously a, a parasitic lead when you get interfaced with technology, because what they do when they open up the communication, like with me, uh, it brings in other things. So not only is it a live feed, real-time communication between, say, me or my handler, well, first of all, it's his baggage too, and everything he's attached to, bringing in it to me. And also some of the things that can hit you right on the electrical signals, which a lot of parasites, a lot of uh, interdimensionals even can attach themselves or any type of a species uh, can attach itself onto your electrical field. It's, it feeds off of the electricity usually. So, so the field that they create is almost the same as like a sex field, right? Where both energy, where there's a, a nexus of both fields. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that I would all, say so. all of his crap can get into your field. Uh, oh, absolutely. And that's why I was able to, I was able to read them so well later on, I was able to push through the firewall mm -hmm. and they got, they got annoyed on, I know they did, but I was able to read through them very easily because they were interconnecting with me in life in real time. So. Do you think that they, they chose you because you were psychic? Well, I think it's because I was, my Merkaba was off the charts at the time. I know that my, my whole entire light body Merkaba was really ramped up in my frequency. I was definitely a good candidate for the technology. And I've mentioned that, especially with my martial arts background. Right. And the level of, uh, I was in excellent shape at the time. 
I think it has a lot to do with that and also some other things going on. And he had access opportunity. And for some reason or another, they seemed to be very interested in wanting to do this during the R30 tour. So, and they did. So There was probably something in the music then. I think so. But I, I also know that it has something to do with his, his Hertz past with his daughter, Selena Taylor, or whatever, what a daughter you want to call her, and Jacqueline Taylor, because they brought that up quite a bit to me. And I had no idea why they kept interrogating me about his family, but they did. When I, when I first heard you talk about your experiences with them, um, I was reminded of my youth when all of my friends love that band. Like when their albums came out, they would freak out. Oh, we got to go. I never liked, I couldn't stand their music at all. And it was always a turn off. But like looking back now, I could see why I think I was picking up on that. It was right. I think you were too. Yeah. And it had it not been for back in, and this was back in the eighties, by the way, but mm-hmm. had it not been for me, um, sending my poetry into Purge's tongue in cheek as a joke, because people used to say I wrote like him, I would have never, ever contacted him. I mean, that was the only reason I wrote to him. I was just literally, people said, you write like Neil Peart. I had no idea who he was. And then they played the Rush album, the 2112. And they said, you write just like him, because that's when I was doing a lot of my poetry and writing and a lot of other things. And then he sent me the postcards back. And that's what started the communication with him and I over the years, just postcards. You know, I would send him something, he sent me a postcard back. And you don't think you lit up some kind of display for them somewhere? Some scanner picked you up I must before. have lit up something. I don't know. But And you're right about the vibe, because after I started doing more spiritual work um, later on down the road, I didn't want to listen to their music anymore. It made me feel sick. It really did. And I started ascending more into higher levels of frequency and consciousness. And it didn't feel good anymore. Um, but the only reason I reached out to him in 2004 prior to the induction was because my kickboxing students had said that he had gone through a tragedy and then he lost his family. And I felt bad because I had, I had not communicated with him. And I sent my book, Transmutation Through Ascension, very innocent. I didn't realize that it was going to, you know, set off the nuclear warheads, but apparently it did. So I, I get the feeling it didn't. <laughs> I just do. And well, that, that's good. that you were pulled in and made to feel that way. Well, whatever it was, it was full speed ahead and no mercy was shown. I can tell you that much. So I, I wish they had never done it. Um, took away my entire life and people can watch the documentary. Well, you can come back and do it again. Oh, no way, man. <laughs> and I don't even want to see my ex. I adored my ex-husband, Steve. He was my soulmate. Mm-hmm. And I tell you point blank, I will not go back. I will not relive this in an alternate reality. I'm done. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I was teasing. I was kidding. No, I know. I know. But I mean, that's where I'm at. Because some people are like, oh, I haven't finished my life with my my soulmate. I'm like, all right, that's it. Okay. I grace and move on. I hope he's happy. He's remarried now, by the way. Where do you meet these people? What's that? I said, where do you meet these people? I don't have anyone like, no one like that. I'll never meet him again. That's that's the saddest part of all. I have to tell you because it's by universal grace that people meet each other. And it was by my, my last husband, Steve and I, that we were really soulmates. We were meant to be together. And it's just so strange how that happens where you're meant to be with somebody and then something comes in and rips it away. Like it never mattered. Uh, Unbelievable. I think, uh, are you familiar with the work of Evie Lorgan? Oh, yeah. And yeah, the talks, love bite thing. Yeah, the yeah. love bite thing. That's something to consider. Well, I don't know. This is, this was- I, I'm not asking for details. I'm just saying <laughs> I found it interesting in my marriage troubles as well. When I heard about that, I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I can see how that hmm. could correlate. Well, I have heard that information before. I don't see it correlating with my case, but yeah, I have. It does sound interesting. Well, I will tell you one thing. They are, um, they do have the capability to interface with anybody in the dream time and sexually engage. That's the whole idea behind it. It's, it's a high for them to be able to suit up and go in and have an experience. Like fake latest thing fake since, incubus? Well, you know, um, they're real people, real government covert warfare people, you know, or people like in Ashclan. I mean, literally real people just getting their kicks, you know? And then they'll mask themselves as an 18. And we go, oh, I had a sex with an extraterrestrial. Are you sure? 
because chances are it might be somebody in the control room. I actually had a dream. I actually had a dream around that that kind of um, made me rethink those experiences. I was having the wet dreams um, mm-hmm. that that it was very much like that, like Second Life in a way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can also say, I mean, there's sometimes when you're psychically in tune to somebody and you're attracted to them and there's a chemistry and obviously there's an interaction sometimes is beyond the illusion of space and time is what I call it. Um, but then there's the other stuff that goes on, which is more insidious. That's literally about, you know, completely just unacceptable behavior in engaging with somebody who's literally not, not expecting you to show up in their room. It's so, all the shit yeah. they can't do in the real world. Correct. But they can get away with it. Like, well, prove it, prove it. Well, I could prove the signals and a lot of other stuff. So but yeah, it is very interesting how they can pull that off. I see. I um I also want to acknowledge that distinction I had um you had with your hus your ex husband. Same here. In it, it, I'm familiar with the love bite stuff and all this other stuff. It was completely unique. I mean, when you know I left, but it, it needed to. We needed to part um, for whatever reasons. It feels strange, but it was it was way deep. It was deeper than than this. Um, programming that people talk about and I don't I don't buy into the whole twin flames thing but it was on that level where it was intense mm-hmm. and um and I've had some intense romances I'm you know I am ruled by Venus um so and I have Venus and Aries so I've oh wow okay. I've, I've just been I've you know enjoyed that side of my life in militant the past. sexual <laughs> well, it, you know, Marilyn Monroe had that. It's just in your face sexuality, That's but it's, it's actually placed me in some rather passionate um, situations that are great. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty intense. And in the totality of my life, like nothing is, you know, that person, my ex-husband is, uh, that experience was completely unique. It was nothing like I've experienced here and there before. And I, you know, I had lots of infatuations and and that lovey feeling, but it was, it was on a way different level. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I left. So it, I felt like um, there was a sense of needing closure. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask, and this will be kind of my closing question as far as the Nox Mente, um, as far as this, you know, I'm always jumping in when tangents happen, um, but I want, I want your perspective on what is going on right now in this time space experience we're having with all this craziness all over the world and this includes the deeper stuff like the the um you know clearly the timeline stuff (laughs) well the earth is shaking up we have crazy weather and we know that's manipulated but then there's you know the everyone's well, I don't even have to say it uh, right now. That's how crazy the world is. You can say what's going on with all this craziness and everyone knows that there's craziness. What What's going on, Solaris? Yeah. Well, in my opinion, I think that mankind is out of alignment with the galactic design and, and uh, you know, he's not really meshing with what I call the full light universe. Uh, that has a lot to do with social engineering. That has a lot to do with being disconnected from what I call source. Uh, people not doing the spiritual work or any kind of consciousness work to a point where they're completely reacting on their socially engineered uh, behavioral patterns, which is literally manufactured by centuries of lies and deception. So if I look at the whole spectrum of where mankind has been, it's been a complete distortion, navigating in the distortion and putting more dysfunctional patterns and frequencies overlaying onto the persons and people on this world to a point where they cannot even think clearly because there's too much inter- interference running into their, um, into their brainwave activity. So that's what I see. Insofar as a solution, I think would be to negate the um, black satellite programs and 
and actually start a streamlining technology to a point where it can be regulated and there's none of this brain hacking and stuff going on. And also a, an entire uh, raising of consciousness, which is going to take an act from the multiverse to do. So I would say earth changes, yes, but also created by oppression and restriction and, and energies that are literally confining this world to a point where it's not becoming functional anymore. As we all know, once you start shutting things off, the, the system doesn't work right anymore, and that's what's happening. If you look at like a, a big computer screen, you know, you can talk about switching things off, but this, this world is not functioning properly. It cannot breathe the spiritual air. So I think that's going on with people. They're frustrated and they're acting out because they're not spiritually breathing either. What do you think is the trajectory right now, this timeline? Where is this going? Well, it's going to black, if you ask me, insofar as I, I see extinction at, at some point in the continuum. If it doesn't change, if we don't redirect this course, then mankind or the majority of what I see as mankind will go extinct, in my opinion. I believe that those of us who are switched on in consciousness and who are what I call star beings will eventually ascend out of here and go to the next where we belong into the multiverse and the full light universe. And I've always said, I'm taking the animals with me, so I'll find a way to get them off planet. But I'm telling you point blank, this, this cannot keep going into this cycle anymore. It's regurgitating, excuse me, it's regurgitating into a loop that's dysfunctional and it's just like living into um, living in a false false matrix with a dream that's just nonstop. It just never ends. It never stops. It's like stop. permanent reruns. Yeah, I can't stand it anymore. I mean, I literally can't take it anymore. It's it's like Hotel California, you know. Mm. You can never leave. It's that same loop, <laughs> that same craziness. Gotta go. And that's that's the original um prison meme, Hotel mm -hmm. California. Not well in in the last fifty years. That's the that was the original meme. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hotel California, baby. Yep, makes sense. Jerry, do you have questions in from the chat? Oh, I didn't even ask. No, I want to go into the timeline thing. Yeah, I want to get further, but that's where I actually just put my sheet away, and I always doodle and stuff. I, I have and, it written down. I, that one, I had the, the stored skills, timelines. Stars. Oh, yeah. How far away are the stars, Solaris? In the well, stars, there is no time, there is no space, there is no distance. It's truly consciousness in motion. So when people say there's a, only so many um, miles between such and such or distance and parsecs or whatever, I'd have to say it's through consciousness that we we go to our destination. So it's non-relative. That's the whole idea behind it, you know. And we also contain the miniature universe within. Right. About it. So it's really about we already know the destinations. This is why they kept saying, you know, we we know how to take ET home. Really, it's through consciousness. It's really about how we are able to navigate through our minds, the very sacred vessel of consciousness. Right, right. I'm totally on board with that. Can't get there in a rocket. Sorry, I derailed. That was the other one. Oh, timelines. So you, you, you mentioned about timelines, and there's a lot of talk of, of uh, timeline dissolution or aggregation or coalescing, however you want to think of it, or other timelines that were false timelines being destroyed or shut down or whatever, however that works. So, you know, is that true? Has it happened? Have there been well, false time? You know, did the Philadelphia experiment really create a space-time rip that, you know, did right. crazy shit? I actually think the Philadelphia experiment did do some damage. But I will say um, timelines and the illusion of, once again, time is a benchmark of measure. It's created mm -hmm. by man. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist off-planet, truly. So we're dealing with something that's been created here. It's created through states of consciousness and belief systems. So those, are those, are, those can be labeled as a false timeline or a false template. Uh, say all the censorship that's been going on throughout the decades with schools and colleges. That's another example. People are being taught the wrong data and they're using that data in everyday life. Well, that's a false timeline too, because it's not accurate, right? So we have all these things that are colliding insofar as fragmenting between the spaces of truth and lies. And I think that's part of the problem that we're running into. 
Um, so those things do eventually dissipate because they're created in kind of a, a linear world, a world that has no foundation in the cosmic design, mm -hmm. or what I call the full Akashic. So man's Akashic is not compatible with the full Akashic because it's an exaggeration. It's all BS. So that's where the bleed through effects come through and that's where the timelines collide. And in my opinion, I think that there, you're seeing an implosion of timelines based on lies and deception because we're lifting the veil, we're removing everything and we're looking in between the layers and now we're expressing the truth. And with that truth comes the deception, um, the programs that they've been running all dis dis disintegrating and that's part of the timeline process. So I think that's what's creating the rifting, to be honest. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I thought of something while you were talking, but now I forgot about it. I forgot what it was. Oh, it wasn't too long-winded. Sorry about no, that. No, no, no. It's okay. It was great. I was reading the chat. That was a mistake. I stopped. I like, my eyes locked on the chat. I'm like, oh, damn. That's why I can't look at chat at all. I haven't I been tonight. I've really been listening. And... All right. It's probably best you don't. I, don't do I love our chat. We have great people. Out. Oh, good. Well, Darcy's but... asking questions. I'm like, I'm not asking that. Oh, hey, Darcy. Hey, Darcy. Um, yeah, yeah. We have we have an awesome chat. We have a core group of people that are just rad. Of course, um, I have a couple questions. Since we're in this, you know, we're in October. It's the season of the witch. You're a witch. I'm a witch. I want to know a little. Give us a little bit about your your witchy side. Okay. Well, my witchy side. Well, um, and so far as that goes, I have affiliations with a few covens. Um, we're usually pretty cloaked and, and left-hand path oriented to some degree. And I also have my own coven, which is Blue Star Fortress, which I created. And I tend to associate myself with a lot of people who are elders of, of the, and the clergy insofar as um, people who are kind of not retired witches, but just kind of you know relaxing and taking it easy a little bit versus some of the other stuff that goes on. So that's, that's pretty much where I'm at insofar as my... Um, my circle work goes and ceremonial work. I connect with a, a very small group of people and we, we celebrate Samhain and, and we'll probably have a little bit of a, I don't know what we're going to pull off this time around, but you know, gatherings here and there, but that's kind of me and my witchy side. It's very cloaked um, insofar as everyday world goes and here in, in this town, but we, um, you know, we don't hide either. So I don't know if that really answers anything. But no, that's, that's good. That's yeah. good. I was I was way out in the scene in the in the eighties and up to early nineties. I mean, it's always it's part of who you know you know mm -hmm. it's part of who you are. So it's right. always there, and people are always able to smell the difference. Yeah, they are. <laughs> that's interesting you say that because even in the old days they would call me that, and I wasn't really grasping it because I wasn't really aware. I wasn't fully engaged in initiations or or doing anything on the ceremonial level. I was just kind of wearing the pentacles and, you know, being into earth magic, that sort of thing. So it's very interesting. Yeah, it's the the whole, you know, like for me, the circle, the compass, whatever you want to call it, grind the stone. Um, it's all, there's so much to it. And I I often say, I just said today, because I met someone through when I'm on my personal channel, a video that I, I think is going to be a great new friend. At first, I didn't know if she was friend or foe. <laughs> um, so we felt we sussed each other out but um i i did i tend to approach it with i'm not the kind of witch you read in books there's so much um uh, you know the new age came in and really changed up the scene and i don't know it, it just got it got co-opted mm -hmm. and yeah, it still is yeah if you oh, go to the grand coven over here um you'll see a lot of boo boo hoo weird woo woo crap i don't know yeah. what it's I yeah, call it bitchcraft too. A lot of bitchcraft, a lot of ego. Yes. So it's Wiccan. Yes. It's Wiccan. 
Yeah, it's definitely not very. Yeah, it's not. It's not a lineage craft. It's just it's a, you know, not like Wiccan. Wrote. I mean, there's parts to it, but yeah, it's yeah, not solely Wiccan. And there, are, you know, there are great Wiccans out there. I'm not a Wiccan, you know, and that's one of the distinctions I make. But mm-hmm. I'm, I was deaf. I'm a lifelong witch. I'm a born witch, and um, and I do believe. I have a sense that you know, like with everything, you know, um, <laughs> the ugly duckling, right? I think you're born into to something you're you're on a trajectory and the way i sussed out what what the different differences were for me in my life all kind of skirted around my ideas of what a witch is which is not um something that that you can read about yes there are there are fragments Uh, of course i love the decoration of of our classical scary victorian witches and um i you know i love all that i i'm shrouded in victorian witchiness with carved everything and all that i love that don't get me wrong the look of it's great um but there's so much more and and the whole like hedge witch and natural witch to me that's one gate on the circle, on the compass, you know, that's the earth gate. You learn about that stuff and that's, that's one aspect to it. But then there are other, other you even have a circle. Mm-hmm. And so um, it seems really fragmented. And then there's a sense of, um, I think any, anyone I consider up to par has a sense for uh, outside of this reality, right? Mm-hmm. And outside of, and they don't get, there's no hangover with Christianity and in Judaism. There's no hangover there. Okay. You can you can experience, you can pull out and find the, the gems are everywhere. It's mm-hmm. like Legend of Zelda, you know? I mean, the stuff's everywhere and we find them. So I, I can find myself, I find myself often looking in, um, you know, Christian illumin- illuminated manuscripts from the Middle Ages or um, even modern preachers that are preaching a bunch of crap but there's always something you know there's Mm -hmm. always a gym and um so that idea of being triggered and hung up on the indoctrinated religions is a sign for me that you know maybe that's not my tribe of witch you Mm -hmm. you don't think i don't think witches get hung up on that stuff no usually not and honestly i i'm usually pretty much um, unconditionally accepting to everybody unless they're trying to kill me. <laughs> but, but honestly, I can <laughs> tell you, um, I have had issues with people, not, not had issues, but they've had issues with me for being a witch. And it has been, um, you know, it just kind of makes me look a little sideways at them because they are coming from Christian backgrounds or religious backgrounds. But you know what? That's their deal, not mine. So there is a lot of indoctrination and mind control and programming associated with their perception of what a witch is also. Now, I don't have a problem looking into their texts at all. And as a matter of fact, I can look in and actually see what's correct and what's not through my own gnosis. Um, yes, a lot of what yes. they have has been stolen, as you well know, from ancient mystery school teachings. And they've taken a lot of, of information and run with it here and there and then create their own religions and fortresses of their own. And it's not relative. It really has no connection to real um, religion in any form. It's actually just a ripoff. So that's that's their deal. And that's OK. You know, like I say, all, all streams lead to the same ocean eventually, I guess. But. But yeah, now I do my own thing. I'm very eclectic. I have um, I have studied a lot of different things. I've had a lot of different initiations and I've transmuted and descended with them, as I like to say. And I keep learning and growing and evolving. But right now I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like the old retiring witch that kind of hangs out with the elders and we kind of just do our own thing and just look at everybody like, wow, that's where I'm at. <laughs> and some of my friends who are, um, they're clergy witches, they, they've been around and they've had their own experiences too, you know, kind of like uh, abductee types. So 
Very interesting. When we were yeah. kids, we used real eye of newt. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, this is how you don't need all the props. Here's how you cast. Here, you are the energy. Ah. Yeah, don't get me started. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's everything. Every, every field is. Right. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not necessarily publicly out. Um, I mean, everything. You all are my now. Art. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I, if you look at me and you look at all my art, it's obviously not a secret. And, um, but it's not like what I look around in the, I grew up with the idea of, of mis, the mysteries being mysteries for a reason. And, and one of the ideals I've always held true. And it, and this could be said because I was raised around a lot of Masons and Eastern, those people where secrets are secrets for a reason. And your interactions with people are also private. Mm -hmm. And, um, in this, in this day and age, it's a whole different thing. Everyone is, everyone's throwing titles at themselves and talking about how enlightened they are. And this vinyasa pose, and you know, it's, it's this, um, it's almost like a diarrhea world right now of memes and titles. And, um, so I sit down, you know, I never wanted to do anything publicly as far as um, be like, I'm a witch, here I am publicly. And like I said, you go to my videos, you'll see it. You go to all my, my paintings and all the stuff I, I do in my life. It's there. But I also have oaths of fealty to myself um, and the process of, of unfolding the mysteries within myself, which include the idea of what is going on in in life what are we doing and what are these things we're parsing out everything we've just talked about in the show that's all witchcraft to me and um and it 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 doesn't need to be wrapped in a black velvet bow and called witchcraft (laughs) and i really think it boils down to mastering consciousness anyway you look at it and even though we use like i said titles and you know, I don't have a problem with with saying what I am in a sense because I kind of was pushed into that to some degree after the induction. But uh, because they tried to erase my identity, I wanted to claim my identity. And part of doing that was actually acknowledging, okay, I am the priestess, I am this, I am that, yeah. instead of letting them just take it away and bastardize it. So I did do that. Uh, but I can agree with you insofar as silence, um, keeping your magic to yourself, because mm-hmm. it's one thing I realized I was so open with information, especially even the covert technology. I was so open to everybody and communicating but you, you can't sometimes because people, first of all, sometimes it's don't, don't throw the pearls to swine. Is that what they say? You know, you have to be careful as far as how you share your data stream of information because some people don't have the highest or best intentions for it. I mean, that's part of it. Uh, but also just they haven't earned that. They haven't earned the right to even know. So I have been more um, discreet about the real deep stuff that I know insofar as my own magical world as well and my grimoire. And, you know, it's natural when when people are moving along and discovering in their research in life um, and dot connecting to want to want to speak out about it and we all do it. And, um, and so I, I don't hold any grudges on it towards anyone. It, it just is funny to me to see so much, um, you know, there's a lot, man, it is just watered down. Yeah. The it's mystery- watered down. Yeah. Go ahead. All the all the mysteries, all these great mysteries, alchemy, the, this deep search for self in the blackness, the nothingness of infinity, the, the the flame within. These things are are personal processes, and it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter to anyone else in the world. It only matters to you. And um, you can't walk someone else through 
the journey. And this is why the mysteries are shrouded. Mm-hmm. And and that's part of the idea of the mysteries. And so it's it's just so, man, it, it's just like, I t- if you type in witchcraft, generally, it, it's just a letdown. Yeah, no, I agree with you on, <laughs> on that the one internet. Too. I agree. Yeah, it comes in all forms and designs. And there are a lot of people on the bandwagon, you know, and like you said, it's, um, it's becoming kind of the biggest thing, you know, it's, it's becoming very popular. And everybody watches television, and they think it's like charmed and all this other right, crap. And right. It really isn't. I mean, I've been through some crap that I don't think anybody should ever survive. And I've been through it, whether it's through the, the mystical teachings and my own uh, witchcraft realm or through the covert warfare. I mean, I've been through some stuff. And yes, you know, it's not a game. And when they start summoning and harnessing energies, they have to understand what they're dealing with. I mean, we're dealing with a very complex multiverse. And uh, they're just a little tiny piece of that in the puzzle. So yeah, it is, it is interesting to watch. It's funny when I think about witchy qualities. So I'll have these conversations with people in person, um, especially my good friend here, Melanie Poe. And it's like, what, what, what makes a witch to you? And and it's always like, it's me. They're very simple exo or uh, exo stuff, exoteric things like keeping a promise, right? Like valuing privacy and conversations. Wow. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's major and it's so uncommon. It's, it's uncommon. It's becoming increasingly more uncommon. Um, stuff like that. It, it comes down to really a sense of in, a personal integrity mm-hmm. and, um, and the deeper into this kind of tech world we get, especially when we're moving deeper into having no privacy and, and I'm talking, as you know, as you're talking about our thoughts being harvested and manipulated, I mean, on the deepest levels, it is. Who, who's to say they haven't been? Well, this is where, this is one of the witch powers, I think, is to develop the, the, uh, to develop nonverbal linguistics, right? Mm-hmm. So to develop a sense, these, these, um, the the witch the classic witch powers so clairvoyance clairaudience these things and then to suss out as as Solaris is constantly talking about and doing the community of service by talking about these things what is actually organic and what's not because that's becoming increasingly hard to tell the difference of where are we being manipulated and and then at the core of that are you manipulating yourself. Mm-hmm. Good point. And also the weaponization, because of the weaponization, there's the, the um, when I talk about the interrogation aspects they have. So that's the witch hunt also. So in other words, um, they put the witch through the witch hunt. They put them through interrogation, torture, harassment. Um, that's, that's the potential of some of these programs that I'm, I'm talking about tonight, even with the synthetic telepathy. So you have a persecutor with live feed, real-time communication system lined up to attack you for being the divine being you are, a multidimensional being, or whatever witch, or whatever you want to be or choose to be on the timeline and also hijacking your abilities and gifts. So there's a lot to be um, looked at there on so many different levels. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the, this is one of the things you learn in magical praxis is, is, is staying, I mean, for just to make it as common and plain as possible, staying conscious as much as possible observance, Mm -hmm. looking around your environment and being aware that you're in it and navigating it. And this is where like the idea of talking about dreams and um, which is a real state of being because you really do experience it. You really do 
travel in that in that landscape however you want to parse it out it does happen um is is seeking lucidity and that is you know people can get that through meditation there's a lot of ways you there are avenues there's always an another angle angles are very important to get to lucidity and um and everything around us is putting us into into like a you know mesmer's winning right now this the whole mesmerized world the humming the low droning the the constant flicker rates that you know this this whole it's experience. the Bernay stuff too yes and delgado Del so it's people taking, forget about delgado Sorry. people do forget about delgado it, but so it what i'm saying though is it is taking now people to hone the ability to be adept at experiencing the experience <laughs> mm -hmm. very much so yeah once again it's mastering consciousness but also learning to navigate these uh vibrational frequencies and tides that we're being subjected to because with each one with e with each dimensional field there is an imagery associated or a species or some kind of environment to some degree whether it's manufactured or synthetic so that is something to do and i mean perhaps this is why we're here in a sense that now that we're um we've graduated beyond this illusion and delusion it's it's time to get the hell out of here and start doing some real stuff. You know, that's my take anyway. I think oh, we're here Solaris. to, to shut, the, shut it down, to be honest. Yes. I I'm with you, Solaris. You <laughs> Come on now, Jerry. No, I think we, as, as whatever, are... Then the bat know, signal. Do what I can. Like, you hear people talking about, oh, there's, you know... I can't think of a good word for it. Um, mercenaries come in to, you know, take care of the scraps, you know. <laughs> Mm -hmm. you don't know what i'm saying like we're like the a team that's in here now the people that are here now are the cleanup crew to get things well, fixed take no prisoners is my motto at this point the yeah. continuum and, you know i'm very kind but like i said i have the nice dark goddess in me also and you know when push comes to shove i can pull it out when i need to oh yeah it shows Solaris. Yeah. <laughs> of course <laughs> wow. that's part of all because part of me is really really nice and kind but man I, like i said i haven't been able to really show much of that well, currently it's difficult, and that's why I mean I am actually a really trusting uh, person. I've be I mean, surprisingly after this strange life I've lived, I I maintain open and curious, especially towards other people. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm you know, I'm con it's it's still a constant letdown. I'm still constantly let down by people, um, and I I don't know that I want to lose that. Because I'm already a loner. I'm already a hermit. You know, I right. call myself a witch monk and hermit. So, uh, you know, I'm already at a distance. I don't want to lose it totally. Right. I'm, yeah, three, I'm, I'm three minutes away from being Agra from the Dark Crystal. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you know, I, I kind of like that too. I do my own thing. I go in and out of worlds and I'm, I'm kind of stealth and I really prefer not to be around a lot of people. I have my small circle of friends and um, I'm very kind of, you know, quiet when it comes down to it. But on the radio, obviously, I'm interacting all over the virtual field, but uh, I really don't like to be honest with you. Well, guys. that and that's your that's part of what you're putting out, and it's an important thing you're doing. It's like Stevie Nicks saying, "I put on Stevie Nicks." We all do that. This is our personas. Well, let me a, offer you a little functioning part of us. Let me offer you a little happiness in that, in that your your signal is not pure. What's going out? It's all it's digital. So. Did you get questions, Jerry? There must be. I had several questions, which I've been batting away. Darcy joined like 10 minutes ago, and she's asking a ton of questions. I'm like, hey, Darcy, we, rock. I already asked that. <laughs> I love Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. 
I forgot where it was. Yeah, I'm back. Every time I go back and check the chat, Jerry, no, afterwards, you missed a question. I don't always miss uh -oh. them. I skip them. Crack in the whip. That's okay. <laughs> Let me get the leather out. That's right. <laughs> Bring out the gimp. I can't find it. Doc asked a question, but I forgot Dr. Michael. Okay, I'm going to go look. It's. I said, I'll ask that. <laughs> I can't find where I put it. I just hope I don't lose connection. All right. You were funny. But, okay, Dar I see one from Darcy. Does she think all, all, all males <laughs> are bled and chanted over wait, dedicated? Wait, 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 wait. Or do some artists take a stand? You, you totally roboted. Yeah, you broke, broke up. Okay, okay, this is from Darcy. Um, hello, Darcy. Hello, everyone, by the way. Does she think all art, all mainstream records are bled and chanted over, dedicated, question mark, or do some artists take a stand? Is she talking about music? Yes. Yeah. Um, I would say that they have, the, uh, they have the capabilities to do a lot of manipulation when they're producing an album and a, and a song to influence people subconsciously, but I don't think it's to that level. I think there are specific groups of people that do that uh, for their own experimentation purposes. That's just my own speculation. I can tell you where I've been with, obviously, with one band that's obviously into a lot of different things, but, you know, I take. Yeah, and I think if they are going to do something like that, it would be more in the video. Yeah, that too, definitely. There's, like, there's kind of a precursor to that from Darcy. Just watch uh, any Carrie, Katy Perry video and you'll see. And hello, Amanda, Lee, Doc, man, all these great people. Um, does she think the music was like Pied Piper Bait for <laughs> Pied Piper Bait or turned into it later? That's Why what I wasn't ask. was she first drawn to Rush's music, uh, music lyrics and stuff? Rossi, uh, Darcy's a rocker. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, and I think I mentioned that earlier insofar as how I got involved with the band in itself was um, through somebody who told me I wrote like Neil Peart. And that's when I was back in the 80s when I was writing a lot of different poems. And that's actually when I was channeling a lot of data. But I literally had some, <clears throat> excuse me, good poetry and, and some people who liked Rush saw it and said, you wrote just like Neil Peart. And I didn't know who he was. And that's when I started listening to their music. So I wasn't really a super duper Rush fan. I did like some of their songs down the road, but I just engaged in a communication with them by sending him some of my poetry and he responded with a postcard. So that's how that worked. Um, so I didn't have any expectations of anything. I found that other question. Okay, uh, so cool. do, Dr. Michael wanted to know if, if you're still being attacked in these manners. Well, attacked insofar as just, just the signal anomalies are, are very, very weak. They're not as strong as they used to be. This was since 2004. They're still there, but they're not as strong, at least right, not right now. Um, insofar as the attacks go, yeah, they've been using a signal to try to hit me in the back of the head over the past few years to try to, in my opinion, disable or do a forensics sanitization of some of the things they did in 2004. I'm not sure what they're trying to establish other than the fact that I think that it's not good. And also, the I used to speak a lot faster, as you guys know, and that's the interface. And they've been trying to slow me down with their own linguistics. They've been trying to uh, run some stuff that I know is tampering, and I can't seem to stop them. Okay, That's, that's what's been going on. It didn't seem much slower to me. Oh, good, because I feel like I slowed down considerably, and they've really, really tried to hit me hard. So just a heads up. I've put a few witch files out about it. I try not to complain about it. I can navigate, and I'm very strong, but it does piss me off. Well, and been... it should. <laughs> it totally should. I didn't, I scrolled back as much as possible. I'm so leery of being in the chat because my link that's, always gets it's weird. Not, it's not that's going to happen. You're making <laughs> it happen by worrying about it. it. 
I know, yeah, probably. Right. But in the beginning, every time I would be in the chat, it literally cut off and I'd have to come back in. Well, it's been two hours. I say we call it. Yeah, that's fine. This was Solaris. Thank you for being in our, our Samit uh, Stowen uh, extravaganza. Oh, <laughs> this was yep. so great you really brought it to the show tonight totally i want to thank both of you so much because i've never ever enjoyed myself more than i have tonight and i find you both to be fantastic hosts so this has been the best interview i've ever had done for me thank um, you. So thank you. this is one of the best interviews i've ever been part of so thank you wow and i hope to keep in touch with both of you by the way i feel like i i, I don't know camaraderie with you both i don't know what it is likewise <laughs> Yeah, you definitely. This was it must be the witchiness. <laughs> I know, right? We're <laughs> putting out the wave. Well, these shows, like your show too. I feel like there's a beacon, in a way, like a psychic beacon, and we we are attracting. We're trying to, you know, connect. People are connecting of the same frequency. Again, that's mm -hmm. that's quantum physics in a way. So, absolutely. Anytime you all want to be on my show, you're more than welcome. Hyperspace, if you like. Heads up. Sure, anytime. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Awesome. Be in January. I'm booked until then, but I'll I'll uh, I'll seek you out. We we book way up to Yeah, we're booked till, we're booked up until January too. Well, interesting. Everyone's dying to get on the show. Anyway, right. thank you Solaris. Thank you, thank you everyone else. Um be sure to tune in next week where we have Thomas Sheridan from Ireland and it's hey. going to be at a special time because he's in Ireland. Oh. It's at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Wait, so what time is that for me, Jerry? Five, that's three, two, four, two. Two. Three, four, five. Two p.m. Pacific. Two. Ooh, we. Yeah, you're going to have to get out of bed <laughs> I'll early. make sure I have my tea earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we hope All right. We hope Thank you, everyone in the chat. I was so, it was thrilling to actually go in the chat for a minute. Yeah, she's a little moist now, probably. I know. And Solaris, I'm just honored. Thank you. This was oh, thank you. better than I thought. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Really enjoyed right. it. Great. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night and talk to you next week.